Hello, friends. How are you? Welcome back. Welcome back to D1 Podcast. Thank you very much to our listeners, our viewers on YouTube. Uh, today, once again, this weekend, I'm flying solo. Uh, where I'm recording on the week of, weekend of March 5th. A lot's been happening. There's a lot to talk about. Uh, and first, I want to start, you know, by by talking a little bit about this podcast and remind our viewers, you know, this is an independent, unbiased, nonpartisan project that Ali, Mahmoud, and I are 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 developing on our own, in our own time, our own money, our own relying on our own contacts to to do this. So, you know, keep that in mind. We 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 welcome criticism. We 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 welcome any comments that you have uh, about what we're doing. Uh, but we do want you to to keep in mind that 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 is just us. This is ours. This is our initiative. Um, there's nobody behind us. There's nobody giving us money. There's nobody. No. 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 Nobody. Uh, nobody else is the purpose. Uh, you, you know, for for this for this small project of ours. You know, and again. Um, I chose the one uh, myself. If you look back to my uh, blog, also it's called the one uh, because not many people outside Yemen, you, you, you know, relate or, or or know the 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 concept of mafraj. You know, this this living room in every Yemeni family family's home, um, and and the one was just easier and and more and catchier, I guess, for for me. Uh, and we want you to to. To picture, you know, to imagine that this is your Diwan. This is where you would bring people, would gather people from different parts of different political affiliations to have talks, uh, to talk about everything, culture, politics, economics, everything. Um, and our guests, uh, the the people we bring in to interview, you know, they're sitting at the at the front of the mufraj. You know, they're sitting in front of everyone, talking to to all the guests. Um, and waiting for their questions, wait, waiting to interact. Uh, there's disagreements. There, not everybody shares the same opinion, but everybody respects the speaker. Everybody respects what they have to say, and and, and the conversation continues. You, you, you know, and that's what we want you to to think about when 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 you hear about us, when you when you read, when you listen, when you watch uh, our podcast. Um, no, this is not any religious can't have any links to religion or or any Iranian concept or you know nobody here ever claims to be Sheikh Al Islam you know and overseeing the Diwan of clerics or anything like that. Um, th this is very very different you know so please keep keep that in mind. Uh, as, I, again, I'm flying solo the, the, this weekend with our interviews because uh, Ali is still busy, uh, has family visiting you know in in Aden. So we have to. I have to keep up with 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 topics, with with episodes, and, and I have to work around the schedule for our guests. You know, it's not we're not a big thing, we're not a big deal. So I have to accommodate when our guests are are available, and it means four o'clock in the morning my time in California. That's when I'm there. If it means midnight, if it means midday, that's when I'm there. And it is very difficult uh, to keep up. So the internet in Aden is also a problem. But, you know, we'll deal with it. And we, we got plenty of more, more episodes to come. This is only our second month. This is only, we've only published eight episodes plus the special live event that we co-hosted with uh that we arranged with 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 Fair Observer on, on the 3rd of March, you know. Um, but now starting our 
the programming here, our schedule. Uh, I'll keep up with, with with our tradition to start with the news, and I'll, I'll share a few things, a few thoughts on on news uh, that we've had over the past days or, or the last week week or so since we last recorded our, our, our last episode. Um, I want to bring up again, because it's come up in a number of conversations I've had this week, I want to bring up again the issue of uh, Hal Said, of HSA group uh, that was uh, involving the UN panel report uh, on Yemen that came out in, in, in January that we brought to you. Uh, and we, we've done uh, three episodes, uh, two episodes on uh, on on this topic, but this issue continues, and the news continued to come out. And now, you know, talking to my contacts, you know, that they they've told me that HSA has now submitted a lengthy, about twenty five page letter uh, to the secure to the uh, Secretary General of the UN, to the UN Security Council, and to the UN panel. Uh, of the experts, and you you know this letter was uh, apparently reportedly was written by HSA's lawyers, um, and it has a lot of stuff in it. But you you, you know, for what I get from my contacts, you know, there are two things with this letter. One, um, HSA presents themselves as a victim uh, of the panel. They they start talking about how big they are, their history. You know how many people depend on HSA for imports and for business, etc. And and they're making it about the company itself. Um, and then second, the, the, according to my contact, the the letter goes into defending the CBY. The Central Bank of Yemen is a totally different uh, topic. It's it's a government entity, and you know the CBY submitted the 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 documents that we see on the UN panel report. They were given by the CBY to the panel. The panel didn't get those through their contacts or, you know, anybody that's attacking the legitimate government. The own CBY officials uh, gave those documents to the panel. You, you know, the mistake might might have been how the panel members interpreted that information. Uh, but that's a separate total issue. And this issue with HSA as a private entity, um, it, in my opinion, it, it was a mistake for them to mix a defense of their situation uh, with the CBY. Uh, we also uh, see two two things. One, uh, other two things. One is um, HSA is claiming, according to my contacts, that the panel has promised to fix the problem. This is a very difficult issue. Uh, to this panel's mandate ends at the end of this month, at the end of March. You know whether these five current members are renewed in it for April's new mandate or not is one thing. Because the next panel, if it's not the same five people, the next five, even though there's this this institutional continuity, the panel is a panel, uh, no matter who's there. But the next five members of the UN panel might reject any promises made by the five members from currently serving on the panel. So this is a problem for HSA. You you know, uh, who's going to serve in the panel at the end of April? That's a big question still. Uh, our friend Khaled Yemeni still believes that the five current members will be renewed. Um, we have to wait. There's a meeting on March 18th that will decide this. The, the names will be voted on. Um, the, the UN Security Council Committee can veto can some of the names, uh, which then it's in itself is a problem. Uh, we know that there's internal politics within the committee and within the, the Security Council when it comes to Yemen, Russia, China, 
and the P3. Uh, so we have to wait to see how that plays out. Again, fixing a comma, period, an article, a pronoun, anything on the panel. The panel report is final. It was accepted by the Security Council in January. It is a final report. They voted. They had a meeting in February. That is a final report. Now it has to be amended. And the process for amending goes from the panel members agreeing on the amendment to SCAD, the UN entity that oversees the, 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 the panel, accepting this process, and then the committee the 2140 committee voting on this, whether they, they accept the amendments or reject the process for amending, that's where the politics play play in. You know, HSA might claim to be very close to the UK, but you have China, you have Russia, and you have the US. So so just because one one country uh, supports your position doesn't mean that even though it's the pen holder with the UK, that everybody else is going to agree. And, and again, the panel members are supposed to remain independent. There's not supposed to be influenced by anyone. Any of this right now, the optics are horrible right now when it comes to, you know, the influence that HSA is exerting with the threats of suing the UN, suing the panel members, um, et cetera. You know, this is a mess. And I've told people close, you know, with relation to HSA, you know, be careful because this, you, you, you know, is, is, is part of politics in the UN Security Council. And, and let's not pin our hopes too high. Uh, the, the, the HSA claimed that, that the panel has promised um, to publish a special report addressing the situation. Again, what are they going to address? The headline on the on the panel section of you know money laundering, the headline on in the report, the subheadline of the report of elite uh, capture. Um, they're going to address the issue of corruption. You you know what are they going to change in this report? Just uh, uh, again, I want you all to read this section on the report and 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 come up with with what happened. The damage has been done and is being felt all the way to the ground because one of the main people that are complaining about this are CSOs, civil society organizations in Yemen, that depend on HSA for imports, for purchases, for everything. Uh, they're feeling the pinch and they're saying, you know, to journalists that are contacting me, you know, they're saying that. The mentioning of HSA in the UN panel report may had a bigger, deeper, more negative effect on the ground than the FDO listing of the Houthis by the US in January. You know, um, journalists keep asking, you know, we want to talk to the panel. I keep telling, you, you know, apparently panel mem members of the panel are not getting back to the journalists. And, 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 you know, but I tell them that the panel of members are not supposed to speak to the media. There's no need for the panel to to speak to the media, and you know if the coordinators the coordinator is the only one that should speak to the media when 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 it's needed, but even then the panel has to vote on allowing for that interview, and so so far it looks like no one has agreed to that uh, to that interview uh, or any comments by any members of the panel. Uh, we'll see in the the coming days. Again, we're recording on March fifth. Let's see what we see this coming week uh, with that. Um, on separate news, uh, we see clashes continue in Madib. Uh, both sides are claiming progress, but on the ground, what we hear is that no one has confirmed any advance by any party. Just today, I was checking today, it is um, 
March, uh, sa- Sunday, Mar- the 7th of March that I'm recording this. And I just read, I saw some tweets from, from pro Houthi sources where, you know, commanders are, uh, on the shoreline and in, in, in the matter of dam, but they're still, you know, the government is still claim that they pushed the Houthis west of Azur, uh, area, uh, you know, Government continues, the GOY continues to report high casualties among the Houthi forces, and we continue to see Houthis uh, launch drone and missile strikes on the city of Madrid. So we definitely have to keep up, and we hope that they're in the coming days, by the time this episode is published, that we hear some good news on de escalation and, 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 and some peace, some activity on the peace track. Uh, furthermore, on the 5th of March, we started seeing for the last week, that there's new clashes in Taiz. Houthis are mobilizing west, south, and east of the city of Taiz, uh, trying to expand further south, further west, uh, to control the mountains in the area. We do see some clashes a few kilometers uh, south, uh, northwest of Turba. Uh, to me, that might mean that uh, that might be an indication that the Houthis are interested in pushing toward Turba very strategic mountain area. It oversees Lahaj and Aden. So we know that, that Houthis have been trying to reach Turba for a while, for years now. So whether Houthis are doing this to distract to distract from, from Madib or are engaging you, you know, in new tactics and trying to move uh, closer to Turba, we, we have to wait and, and, and see and, and, and follow up. Um, also, let's bring out the on March second, the U.S. sanctioned two new, uh, two Yemeni, uh, two Houthi uh, military officials, Mansour Asadi, the Houthi naval forces chief of staff, and Ahmed Ali Ahsan Al Hamsi, the commander of the Yemeni armed uh, air force and defense air forces. Again. Uh, you, you, you know, I think the U.S. needs to refocus their efforts, uh, their own, you know, before they make major mistakes this early in the administration. Biden has only been president less than two months, about two months. And we've already seen a number of mistakes that could become major mistakes down the road and could have negative uh, effect um, when it comes to efforts to de-escalate the conflict and bring the parties back to peace. We saw that on March 3rd, we saw reports that the U.S. and Saudi met with Houthi uh, representatives in Muscat, Oman. Uh, But the interesting thing, again, from the Houthi side is that even before those media reports came out, Houthi personalities, activists, were already tweeting and posting on social media, uh, you know, attacking the U.S. and attacking Saudi Arabia. Uh, you, you, you know, attacking the ideas uh, presented by the Biden administration and again, attacking Saudi Arabia. And again, for the last 10 days, uh, the, the last week of February, the the first week of March, we've seen the Houthis launch drone strikes and missile strikes in different areas of uh, of Saudi territory from Abha, Jaisan, and one claimed in, in Jeddah. So we definitely need to pay attention to this and, and keep keep track of this and see, again, minimize the mistakes by the U.S. and Saudi and, and try to find a way to bring the Houthis to, to the table. Uh, this is a question that I'm going to present, uh, post to our uh, our guest today. So let's 
Let's see what, what we hear from them. Let's see what their ideas are. Uh, so today, let's get back moving from the news. Um, let's get into, into our topic. You know, I want to repeat, I want to begin by repeating once again. I think I've been doing it for every episode now, but once again today, I want to repeat that I have reached out to a number of officials in Sana'a, uh, pro-Houthi activists that we see on social media, journalists, for weeks, inviting them to join me here, to join us here, uh, but always refuse for one reason or another. I know the reasons, you know, I thank a, a handful of them for being honest and candid with me and, you know, putting out the reasons there. But, um, you know, I reached out before the, the our event on, on March 3rd. I really wanted a Houthi official on that event uh, with my with the Fair Observer, and again later for this particular episode for the last couple of weeks, I've been thinking about this episode for 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 more than two weeks. But within the last couple of weeks, I reached out, um, and as I've said to each one of the people in Sanaa that uh, or outside Yemen that I that I've talked to, you know, no voices from Sanaa simply means that only their rivals get to be heard. You know, so if that's what it is and if that's what how they want it, then no complaints later on, you know. Um, at, at the same time, you know, I, I, I say the same thing to every side when I reach out to to different Yemenis to invite them, and and, and they turn down the invitation, or you know, they don't accept our our, our invitation to come. Is the same thing uh, that that I that I say to people from every political party, whether it's the South, Islah, Independence, you, you, you know, uh, socialist. We, we, we are a small project. You know, we get it. We're not nobody's priority. You know, who are we? Who is Fernando? Who's Ali? You know, we get it. Uh, but we are also have to admit that we are indebted to every single one of our guests so far. We truly appreciate their time and their commentary, their insight. We thank each and every one of our guests that has joined us so far. Eight episodes. This is the ninth official episode, plus the one on on the Fair Observer. We really thank them for for their time. Um, you know, uh, we I thank people that are sending me comments and, and calling me. Uh, I really appreciate their insight. I appreciate their constructive criticism. Uh, you know, we 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 get it. I get it, and we're working on improving this and uh, this project. And, and again, it's independent. Nobody's influencing us. Nobody's giving us money. We are reaching out to people to sponsor the the program. We already received one sponsorship. We it was very useful. Thank you very much to our sponsor, to our friend. Um, it's helping us, you, you, you know, improve the quality of our programming and and everything. So we're still looking for 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 sponsors, any businesses out there. We can insert commercials. Uh, we're getting more and more views every week um, on on Tw on on YouTube and on Anchor. So please, it doesn't matter what the amount is. Uh, if you're uh, a company, you have a company to promote to 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 sponsor. Uh, it'd be a great help uh, for us. Uh, to make sure that we are improving this. Ali and I, we don't take salaries. We don't take any money for us. All of this is just to pay for editing, pay for translation, um, pay for internet in Yemen. You know, it's expensive and it's weak. And, you know, um, 
So we we are really just pushing for that. Um, also, you know, don't be surprised if unfortunately you start listening to some commercials here and there uh, during the audio version. Uh, when we start monetizing that portion, we hope that it's not too intrusive, but we have to uh, do it at some point. Um, I'm gonna have to for the first time. I'm gonna have to read a little bit, you know, from from my screen. Uh, uh, just because I want to stay as focused as I can, even then I'm gonna. You're gonna see that I'm gonna go off script or, or be a little erratic here. But 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 stick with me and 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 I'm gonna read this before we welcome our first guest, who should be waiting um, in a few minutes. Should be joining us uh, pretty soon. Uh, here, I I I I wanted. Uh, I also want to bring out that I wanted this episode to be a little bit more of a uh, of a virtual roundtable, uh, but instead we opted for individual conversations. So this is going to make the episode a bit long, longer than usual, um, and we will split it into two portions uh, with two interviews in in each episode. You know, so um, as I mentioned, as I mentioned earlier, our focus today are the Houthis. Uh, on Sana'a law, the the authorities controlling, governing from Sana'a. You know, I mentioned all of these labels uh, because this is part of the problematic for any conversation on the current conflict. It, it, it all begins on how do how does one identify the group running Sana'a today? Uh, is it based on the family that led the coup in 2014 uh, alongside allies or former President Ali Abdullah Saleh? You know, is it Ansar Allah? Uh, what do we mean by Ansar Allah? You know, the 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 Houthis, the uh, Beit al Houthi activists in Sanaa, the government officials in Sanaa, um, they want the international community to legitimize their role, but they, at the same time, they use terminology. They use terms such as the Supreme Political Council, the Supreme Revolutionary Committees, the Popular Committees. Uh, they use Ansar Allah, which is a non-entity. Uh, it is not a constitutional organization. It is not a political party. It has no leadership hierarchy. It all eventually, whenever you ask somebody about Ansar Allah, it all eventually leads back to the SPC, the Supreme Political Council, or Abdul Malik al-Houthi, who is not a member of parliament, not a political leader, doesn't lead a political party. Uh, we also have to consider that their nar narratives are ones of resistance, of revolution. So again, who exactly do they want the international community to recognize as legitimate? Beit al-Houthi, Ansar Allah. Uh, will the latter, Ansar Allah, will, 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 will they register as a political party to claim, eventually to claim uh, control of the capital of Sana'a? All of these questions, you know, we hope to address during our, our, our interviews, you know. So today we're going we're, we're gonna to summarize the history that led to the rise to Beit al Husi as the leaders, as the leaders of, of this coup in Sana'a, uh, the leaders of the entities governing Sana'a, the leaders of the militia fighting this war, and the leaders of the relations with Iran. We have to uh, you, you know, we have to look at this uh, in detail. Uh, we have to look at the rise of a Zaidi movement um, that, since the mid 1990s, has brought out Zaidi grievances. You, you know, so um, 
you know, this, this movement has formed community groups like the Believing Youth in 1994. I believe that's when it originated. That's when it was, it was formed in Sada. Uh, and we have to look at how Beit al-Husi has come to not merely shoulder the responsibilities to advance these grievances since Hussein Badr al-Din al-Husi, a former member of parliament for the Zaidi party al-Haq, uh, who was killed in 2004 at the beginning of the war uh, with Ali Abdullah Saleh's regime. Uh, but now this this family is the face of authority. We, we, you know, we can do another four-hour uh, episode just on this issue, you, you, you know, in particular. And again, it's, it's how much attention do we want to pay to this issue and, and how much time do people want to invest in, in learning about this. But I invite you all today to take a look at some of these books i want to show you when you get a chance if if you really want to understand and go beyond the simplistic headlines and narratives we see in soundbite social media posts um or, or you know the soundbite 30 minute discussions you know these books are are like my bibles you, you, you know and i definitely recommend everyone uh look for these uh and spend some time reading if you really want to learn about this stuff, you know, the Bible. I mean, everyone dealing with Yemen needs to read this. Doesn't matter how dry you think it is, doesn't matter how you, you know boring this book is, you need this book, you know. Um for me, uh in order to understand that Imamic history, you know, I I, I look at these I, I look at these these particular books, you know, they're they're their historical accounts are tremendous. They're, they're, they're great. And today we're going to get into discussing some of that sectarian narrative. You know, some people want to avoid it. Some people want to jump right in it, but definitely recommend this book. You want to talk about the, 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 the theological history, um, the concepts of Zaidi theology. You, you, you have to read this book. This is a book on the reform uh, of Zaidiya. And you you know if you read Arabic, uh, this is something that I've worked on. This book I've worked on with with some friends uh, in Sanaa that have helped me with translation. You know, and I recommend these books. Um, Al Hadwiya, you know the, the again, Zaidia is not a madhab in the sense that we understand Sunnah. We'll we'll get into that. But you know Al uh, Zaidi. Imamate is is composed most of uh, of of tradition um, than fiqh. You know uh, this er, this book right here uh, is excellent. You know uh, we're gonna get into the role of Hashemis. You know why Hashemis are demonized, etc. This book is an excellent description on the role that Hashemi families have played. For example, and then obviously understand the imamate, you know, with the concepts uh, of the imamate, the history of the imamate. Some of these things you'll 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 hear um, in in my discussions in and and then during the interviews. Um, so when you get a chance, try to look at this. You know, um, there is definitely you know we see a struggle within uh trying to to fit in in yemen within zaidia trying to fit both the traditional um aspects uh, uh, of zaidia and modernity you know the modern uh, state the the modern role today's role of religion today's role of clerics of religious leaders 
Um, this is definitely a, a debate that's been taking place within Zadie within Zadia for for a long time. And in my discussions with Zadie clerics from Beta Delami, from Hamid Adin, from Mutawakil, you know, uh, these ideas keep coming up. You know, so some. <clears throat> Some may dismiss all of this as too academic, you know, you, you know and I get it. Some analysts, you, you, you know, think this is going too native, that this is too much, too, you know, but the idea itself, well, I, again, which is not a mezhab, you know, there is no fiqh, there is no written work such as we see in Sunni scholarship with Shafi, Maliki, Hanbali, Hanafi. You know, if you read Heiko's um, book, you know, the one on Shaukani, this one, uh, a book on Shaukani, uh, you get a glimpse of this particular debate. Uh, Zaidia has existed uh, since 1967 with no imam, you know, so this in itself is an issue. This, the basic tenet uh, of Zaidia is the imamate, you know, so since 1967, since the royalists uh, under uh, Imam uh, Muhammad uh, Ahmed uh, Hamid ad-Din were defeated, there is no imam. Uh, the Zaidi ulama, the clerics, have struggled with the issue for over four decades. And unlike in Iran, the Twelver Shia, uh, the absence of the imam has not yet created a system like Wilayat al-Faqih, you know, the rule by, by clerics. Even under Beit al-Houthi, uh, who have not declared imam, who have not declared an imam, an imamate, uh, claiming but still claiming leadership of the revolution has been sufficient for them. You know, they've not taken that extra step. Clerics have not played a major role. Uh, I place this reality in the fact that the two wings of Beit al-Husi, Badr al-Din and the Amir al-Din sides, have maintained a low-intensity conflict within the family over the issues of leadership. Uh, we saw some, some conflict when Abdul Malik became the leader succeeded his brother, but recently we, we have not seen any of this conflict in, in public. You know, maybe believe that uh, Abdel Malik Amir al-Din, the current minister of interior, who is the, old, the elder um, and reportedly a more learned individual, he should be the leader, not Abdel Malik, who is the nephew of Abdel Karim, Amir, uh, the minister of interior. Um, but Abdel Malik is the brother of the founder of the current movement that we saw since um, the rise of the believing youth. Uh, but he is less educated and less experienced uh, than Abdel Karim. So the clerics have remained on the margins, used mostly as, spokes, as spokespersons, delegated the religious aspect of the movement. Uh, this particular uh, reality prevents a public dispute over Abdel Malik and Abdel Karim, since the public would not be able to judge either individual uh, based on the religious leadership. You know, this is not uh, a fight over religious leadership. <clears throat> In traditional language, uh, we have to understand that this particular rebellion claimed by the Beit al-Houthi, by the Houthis, um, this uprising, this revolution, has always been framed within the context of Khruj. You know, a Zaidi obligation to rise against the tyrannical ruler, whether he is Hashemi Sayyid, uh, whether he's a Hashemi Sayyid Imam or a secular leader like Ali Abdullah Saleh or President uh, Hadi. Uh, this was the language used in 2004 when the Six-Year War with Sanaa began. This language explained why Houthis and their Zaidi followers 
joined the protest in 2011 against Ali Abdullah Saleh during the Arab Spring, during the uprising. You know, with, with Houthis then accommodated the election of President Hadi, and then the later national dialogue as a transition period, a period where they could give a chance, you, 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 you know, give this change, this transition a chance, but then, re- then returned to the language of Khruj in 2013 by claiming the transition process was hijacked by outside powers like the UN, the US, the EU, and even the Gulf countries. Uh, and that President Hadi had now become a puppet of foreign powers. So there was now an obligation to come out against corruption, uh, against tyranny. Uh, all of this was used between August 2013 and September 2014 to justify their mobilization to justify the war against the Salafis in Damaj in 2013, the move into Amran in, in, in 2014, the protest against lifting the fuel subsidies in August 2014 in the government of uh, Prime Minister Basundwa, and eventually the march into Sana'a in September 2014, directly targeting the leadership of Al-Islah and then President Hadi and the cabinet. Houthis used also, we have to keep in mind that Houthis used the Peace and National Partnership Agreement signed in, in late September 2014 to legitimize their role from that point forward. So this is when the Houthis begin, in my opinion, in my view, begin to legitimize uh, their role in governing. Uh, in this episode, we will hear our guests bring up also the role of Iran, you know, just as every panel uh, and conferences or think tank t- panels bring up Iran. Um, that would again need an entire episode on its own, you, you, you know, another two hours just to describe this. But many Yemenis uh, will begin when they speak about the conflict, they will begin their talk by highlighting the origins of the relationship via the relationship. Uh, but, when 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 I talk to Yemenis about the origins of the relationship between Houthis and, and Iran and private on, on the side, they will begin to to describe the relationship between Badr al-Din al-Houthi and Hussein Badr al-Din al-Houthi uh, through the father of Muhammad Abdul Salam, Salah uh, Felaita. Felaita. Um, Muhammad Abdul Salam is the official spokesman of Ansar Allah. In Muscat, uh, he is the head of the delegations uh, within the UN peace process. Uh, Salah, Mr. Salah, is, is seen as the person that introduced Beit Al Houthi, you know, the father Badr Al Din Al Houthi, to uh, Iran in the late 1980s. You know, so we have to look at this is not new. This relationship goes back, you know, and research research that I've done and other people have done, they do show that Hussein uh, al-Houthi, not just his father, lived in Iran for a period, uh, but that al-Din al-Houthi lived for an extended period of, of, of time, mainly because, you know, exiled by Ali Abdullah Saleh at the time. Um, and, and, and Hussein Badr al-Din al-Houthi has published a number of volumes uh on the Ayatollah Khomeini and topics like Wilayat al-Faqid, you know, the rule by clerics. So you can definitely look online and, and, and find some of his some of his works. Uh, often people often use the link, the Iran links, you, you, you know, when we when we hear them talking about Iran in the in the context of Yemen, we hear about sectarianism in Yemen. You know, that's the main line, uh, the demonization and the use of sectarianism. Um, on the one hand, there are those who go out of their way 
to insist Sunni Zaydis have coexisted for centuries in Yemen while condemning the backward Zaydi imamate and posting images, for example, uh, of Al-Thulaya, you know, who was a revolutionary from Taiz, a Shafi area in, in, in lower Yemen, in north Yemen. Uh, Al-Thulaya was executed by Imam Ahmed, uh, Hamid ad-Din, uh, you, you know, in the 1950s. But people will point to the, to the fact also, you know, you will hear in, in this episode that people point to the fact that mosques have never been segregated in Sana'a or anywhere in the north. That, you know, not even today, that, that Sunnis and, and Zaydis, Shia, can pray in the same, in, in the same mosque and, and, and pray behind, you, you, you know, an imam, a cleric that is not necessarily from their uh, sect, uh, Shafi or, or, or Zaydi. But in the same talk, the, 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 the point for me is that in the same talk, the same people will bring will point to Iran uh, as being behind the sectarian narrative, while simultaneously neglecting to mention the role played by Sunni actors engaged in takfiri narratives. You know, AQ Salafis. You know, the labeling of people as apostates. Uh, we saw this in 2011 with the independent youth activists. We saw this in 2013 where, when a big long list uh, of Yemeni activists was, was produced uh, and calling them takfiris, you know, that they had left the religion. Uh, and a lot of this is done by Salafis, you know, Salafist groups, not just AQ uh, themselves. Um, you know, so, so we have to keep uh, track of that. Uh, I think that if, 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 if that people, if there is any hope to retain that unity that, that people describe that beyond the mosque, you know, where Sunnis and Shafis can, can pray, where, where Zaydis and Shafis can pray together behind a Shafi or a Hanbali or a Maliki a cleric, if we are to preserve to this unity, people need to, to make up their minds. E either they're going to talk about sectarianism, either either sectarianism doesn't exist, period, stop the conversation there, move on without bringing Iran, without doing anything, or they need to spend a few more minutes explaining what they mean by sectarianism in Yemen. You know, we need to hear what do they mean by sectarianism? What is the new sectarianism? Where is the narrative coming from? How is it constructed? Who is being labeled, uh, you, you, you know, sectarian uh, uh, as fueling the sectarian divide uh, among Yemenis? Uh, you know, we see this uh, playing out in interviews. You know, and and I hope that we can work through this, and 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 uh, and 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 we get to to this to to this discussion. You know, um, we we also uh, finally, and before I bring in our first guest. Um, you know, I want to bring up, I want to bring up, um, we want to bring up this, uh, issue of, I want to bring up furthermore, you know, we also cannot neglect the internal struggle, uh, that we see among Hashemi, among Zaidi. Sayyid families um, within Yemen and outside Yemen over this entire history that I just briefly described to you. Uh, while many have adopted the narrative attacking many rivals of, of Houthis have adopted the narrative attacking Hashemis as supremacist, as racist, um, we have to keep in mind that not all Hashemi families, not all Hashemis uh, individuals support Beit al-Houthi. 
or their movement or the war itself. Uh, we have to keep in mind as we as we read, um, you know, the the Free Yemeni movement and Paul Dresch's uh, account of, of modern Yemen. We 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 have to keep in mind that the Arab Republic of of, of Yemen, based in Sanaa, the YAR. Um, was founded with support and participation from a number of Hashemis, leaders within the military and intellectuals in 1962. They were fundamental to, to, to the overthrow of, of the Hamid ad-Din uh, Imamate, e even from 1940s with Beit al-Wazir over, uh, overthrowing uh, Imam Yahya in 1948. Um, the Republican government since 1962 in Sana'a and, and after the unification has had Hashemis as a pillar of the Republic. Major GPC officials were Hashemis, are Hashemis. Uh, members of Islam uh, are Zaidi clerics by origin. You know, they're uh, sheikhs, qadis uh, within Zaidiya, within the Zaidi uh, structure. This is another, you, you, you know, um, and and so we have to think about this and uh, as another crisis that we witness today, uh, as Beit al Houthi, you, you know, internally, as Beit al Houthi has replaced this Hashemi elite, the Zaidi, this uh, Sayyid elite from the 1940s, the major families that, you, you, you know, of activists, of intellectuals, uh, military leaders since 1962, uh, and place their families uh, and replace those families, those elite families, uh, with new families from Sada, families that were outside the power structure, outside the, the, the social hierarchy, uh, even since the times of Hamid ad-Din. Um, minor families like Beit al-Husi, who was not never featured as a major Sayyid family, as a, never an imamic family, you know, and we'll get into this uh, talk about who can claim the imamate and, you, you know, who can't uh, later on. Um, but, you know, this, 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 since 2016, you know, we've seen uh, a lot of new names being brought from families in Sada and being placed as supervisors are being placed as ministers being placed as officials in Sana'a and throughout the their their the, the territory that they come the institutions and the territory they they control uh we see this and we see the elite families being marginalized being pushed out so again there's a lot to talk there's a lot to talk about and uh, right now we're waiting uh for our first guest to join me uh here on zoom and today you know we, we have four excellent guests. I'll introduce them by name right now so you can keep track and, and choose who you want to listen to. But I hope you, you get to listen to everyone. Uh, first off, we're going to have Dr. Omar Mujali, uh, who is the former director of health in Sada, in the city of Sada. He's a former deputy minister of health uh, under President Hadi. But most important, his family is the Sheikhli family of Damaj, just outside the city of Sada. And this area, this village, Damaj, is the, the the village that hosted Dar al-Hadith of Sheikh Mokbel al-Wadi, the first major Salafi uh, institute uh, established in Yemen in the late 1960s, early 1970s. Uh, we also have Dr. Ali Ahmed Adelami, a good friend, former head of the Diplomatic Institute at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Sana'a before um, President Hadi 
took office, and he's a former ambassador to Lebanon, appointed by Ali uh, by President Hadi. He's no longer uh, the ambassador in Lebanon. Then we have uh, Mr. Najib Ghanem, uh, former Minister of Health, and he is a current member of Parliament for the Islam Party uh, for Sanaa. For 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 the the district of Sanaa, and uh, last but not least, a very good friend, whom I've learned a lot from, Nazi um, uh, Ali Mad. He is a legal advisor for the GPC, uh, and he's a prominent uh, political commentator that 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 we've seen uh, on various platforms and different you, you, you know media outlets themselves. Hello, doctor. You're welcome. You're welcome, Fernando. Good How evening. are you, sir? Good morning. Good morning. Maybe Good evening I... to you. Good evening to you. Our first guest, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, listeners, viewers, our first guest, uh, as I mentioned, Dr. Omar Mujali uh, from Sada. Uh, as I mentioned, his family, uh, the Sheikh family from Damaj, uh, which we'll be talking about in depth in a little bit. But uh, how are you, Doctor? Thank you very much for, for joining me today. Thank you very much, uh, my good friend Fernando. Actually, I'd like to correct something. I'm not, we are not the Sheikh of Damaj, we are the Sheikh of Al Abdin and Turad. We are neighboring to Damaj, we are neighbor to Damaj. Our areas between Sada City and Damaj. I'll show this in, in uh, I'll show this in, in, in the map in a little bit, and I apologize for, for generalizing. Uh, in the area, but I will. I have all of this pointed out in the map that I will share in in, in a little bit <laughs> to you. But uh, the reason, you know, I I want to uh, talk a little bit about how we met because you're we've we've met twenty years ago. You you, you know, almost twenty one years ago, uh, we met in the Ramadan uh, two thousand when I was <laughs> excuse me when I was um, doing some research, doing some interviews. Uh, with a, a very good friend of mine, a journalist uh, from the Yemen Times and uh, my excellent friend from Taiz that was translating for me at the time. 2000 was the first time I went to Yemen to, to start studying Arabic. And uh, in, in December 2000, uh, during Ramadan, uh, my friend, uh, the journalist, took me to Sada because I was scheduled to meet with Sheikh Mokbil al-Wadi to do an interview with him. And um, people that know about Sheikh Mokbel is a founder, is credited as the founder of Salafia in, in, in Yemen in the late 60s, person who, who brought the school uh, 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 of Islamic learning to, to Yemen. And, and in particular, he chose uh, Damaj as his base for, for his institutes, uh, Dar al-Hadith. Um, and in, 2000, in, in December 2000, while I was doing my master's, uh, my good friend, the journalist, uh, you know, we grabbed a, a driver, an SUV, and the, the, the three of us with the driver drove up from Sanaa to, to Sada um, to, to, to do this interview. And, and you know, it was an interesting uh, short trip because it's not that far from Sanaa, but it has to begin like at 6, 6.30 in the morning because you have to be at the checkpoint uh, yeah. uh, outside Sanaa in order to, 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 to leave Sanaa as a foreigner. You know, Yemenis yeah. can come and go, but at the time, uh, in the good old days, as I like to call them, uh, we had to be at the checkpoint, the last checkpoint on Sana'a, 
by seven o'clock in the morning uh, in order for the national security, the military, the political security, for all of them, everybody to check my papers, you know, that I got, that I had permission from the, from the tourist police and that I had a letter from my, uh, my sponsor at the time, it was the Yemen Language Center, uh, that everything was in order, in order for me as a foreigner to be able to leave. Sana'a. So at seven in the morning, we were from Sana'a through Amran into through Al, 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 uh, Sana'a through Amran into Sana'a into Sada, and, um, and so we went straight to the hotel. And that evening, the same evening that we arrived after Maghreb after Iftar, we got to get, we we hurried up and we left the the hotel to go to that al-hadith you know so it was just sunset and we're rushing to to dar al-hadith we arrive in dar al-hadith just as the the sermon is about to finish you know so so my 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 friend the journalist my translator and myself we walk up the little stairs into the mosque where all the students are there listening just you, you know think of this very small mosque in in the compound and um uh, at the time, uh, you know, when as soon as we enter the mosque, my friend, the journalist, tells me that's uh, Sheikh Yahya Al Hajuri, the current leader of of Dar al Hadith. That's him giving the speech, the 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 sermon. Cool. Yeah, and, and and so you know, we waited standing in the back. Obviously, not being a Muslim myself, you know, I I'm welcome, but I stayed in the back with my friends and everything. The whole sermon finished, the prayer time finished, and then Sheikh Yahya moves from the front of the mosque toward the door in the back with his people, and everybody's trying to rush to say hi to him. And my friend cuts in and, and, and tells Sheikh Yahya, this is, this is the foreigner, this is the American that I told you about that, that, that wants to interview you. And Sheikh Yahya looks at me, extends his hand, we shake hands, I said, hello, um and 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 he grabs me and we walk out the door down the stairs you know and the crowd following us but eventually the three of us and Sheikh Yahya along with a couple of his students walk into his office across you, you, you know the 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 mosque and, and uh Sheikh Yahya you know welcomes us we sit down in his office everything we're talking he introduces us to some students some foreign students that were there at the time and um after a few minutes, the phone rings and somebody answers, one of the students answers the phone and then tells Sheikh Yahya, is the Sheikh, you know? And, and my friend, the translator is like, that's Sheikh Mokbil al-Wadi on the phone. And I'm like, oh, on the phone, that means we're not going to get to interview him. He's not in Sada. I was already complaining. I was already upset. We came all the way up here. He's not here. And sure enough, you know, he was sick. He was in Jeddah at the time. Uh, he, he was calling from Jeddah because he was at the hospital. He was, he, he was sick at the time. Eventually, you, you know, unfortunately, you, you know, within a couple of uh, years, he passed away. Um but you know, Sheikh Yahya apologizes. You know, when no, you were here to see Sheikh Mokbil. Apologize, but I, I'm here. Very hospitable. You know, introduces to some students. We 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 had already had obviously we had already had iftar uh, dinner, so we just moved into business. Yeah, you, you, you know, and I was there for a couple of hours. I wasn't there for too long with Sheikh Yahya. We had other things, but he left us there with, to interview a bunch of students. It was great learning from them. It was an awesome opportunity. Before we left, 
we were allowed to to in, into the library, which was awesome because I got, and that's the only picture I have of me being in Dar al Hadith. I was not allowed to take pictures outside, nowhere in the compound I was allowed to take pictures. I don't have a picture with Sheikh Yahya, nothing. Um, you know, on top of the whole Salafi doctrine, it was the whole thing, you know, why is an American want to take pictures? You know, they didn't know me, I was a Muslim, all of this. But when I did go into the into the mosque, um, the student that was accompanying us said it was okay for me to take a picture. So I have one picture of me in Dar al Hadith, and then the issues begin, right? Because then the four of us we leave Dar al Hadith back to our hotel, a hotel that happens to be owned by your family, you know. And I did not know that. Now it doesn't exist, unfortunately. The Houthis bombed it, but we go back to the hotel, and when we go back to the hotel. Uh, we go get the key, and all of a sudden, my friend from the Yemen Times says, "Fernando, I'll be right back." And he runs; he disappears. You know, I I don't want to mention his name. I love the guy, but he disappears. Okay. And, and so it's just the translator, the driver, and myself. We grab the key, and and right when we're at the footsteps of the uh, and the stairs, in the first stairs, my friend, the translator, says, "Fernando." Take the keys, go up to the room, lock the door, don't open the door to anyone. And I'm like, where are you going? What's going on? And he's like, don't worry, we'll be right back. And I looked back a little bit and they were walking out of the hotel with another guy, not in uniform, just in civilian clothes. And I go up to my room. I'm like, it's the first time I'm doing any of this stuff, right? So I'm like, I locked the door. It's Ramadan. It's already midnight, you know, and I'm like, what's going on? An hour goes by, two hours goes by. And then finally, I get a knock on the door. Fernando, it's me. And it was a translator coming in. And he was like, you know, the national security came and asked, you know, arrested us. They took us to the national security to yell at us about who you are. Why are you here? Why is there a foreigner here? And why don't we know? about this foreigner being here. And why did you go to Dar al-Hadith? You, you, you know, so they were basically being interrogated. And what happened was that we found out is that I was wearing a thobe during the trip, you know, and I had not shaven for a, a few days. And I was in the back seat in the, uh, in, in the Land Cruiser and I fell asleep right before we went into uh, Sada, right into we went into the first uh, checkpoint at Sada City, and I fell asleep. So apparently, the soldier at the checkpoint did not need to ask for a paper about me because he didn't see a foreigner, right? He just yeah. saw a guy asleep in the back and three Yemenis, assumed I was the fourth Yemeni, never asked for a paper, and the driver never offered the paper. You know, he was tired, he never offered the, the, the permit. So the national security, the PSO, the military did not have any record of a foreigner being in the city. So when the hotel told the national security, there is a foreign passport, this person is here, the national security was, well, we don't have any papers from him coming in. Yeah. So, you, 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 you know, and then. So then, you know, finally, my, 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 my translator, he had a copy of the paper. So he gave the national security paper, but then national security let them go. And they said, tomorrow morning, you're out of Sada. You know, you need to leave Sada. I was furious. You, you, you know, I'm a short tempered individual and I was furious. I'm like, I have permission to be here. We not finished. 
but obviously I didn't yell at the National Security Bureau. You know, it's just the three of us talking. And then we get a phone call from the front desk from the guy telling us that we are invited uh, to bait Al Mujali because apparently you have heard of the problem. You have heard of somebody. I don't know if National Security contacted you or just a hotel. People told you about the problem. But then that's when we got our stuff. We went over to your house and then our friend, the journalist, all of a sudden appeared in your house from nowhere. <laughs> you know, he had been hiding from national security the whole time. Uh, he didn't want to get arrested. didn't want to be interrogated. Um, and then you and your brother, Osman, uh, welcomed us in, in your house. We had Iftar uh, in your house. And since then, we've been in touch. We've been friends. Uh, since then, I've learned so much from you, from your brother uh, over the years. And you have no idea how grateful I am. I mean, just as today, you know, we look, that incident is what has us here today. And through you, I've met other people. Um, and and to, to, to be honest and, and, and not be shy, remember that meeting uh, at the, the Turkish embassy with Ambassador exactly. Kurman? Yes, Ambassador yes, Kurman yes, yes. sat us, <laughs> Ambassador Kurman invited us for lunch. And I don't know if it was by accident or intent, but he... We, we, we were there for dinner, yes. And he sat us directly across from each other, right? <laughs> yeah. And and I saw your name because you had a name tag there in front of your plate. I didn't have a name. I don't. I don't remember if there was a name uh, name tag in front of my plate. But I saw it. I'm like, this is Doctor Roman. This is this, this is Sheikh Omar Mujali. And I'm like, you looked at me and you didn't recognize me. Be honest, you didn't recognize <laughs> me. And and, and 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 then you asked me if I had ever been to 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 sada and, and and right away you're like i'm from sada and i said i know you had me at your house <laughs> you had me at your house 12 years ago yes, uh, it was the second the, the second meeting after a long time exactly continue please <laughs> no it was just funny and, yes. and, and ambassador Kurman was laughing you know everybody at the table was laughing and, and and I told the same story to everyone there, and and since then I really appreciated your friendship and uh, and and everything that that I've learned from you. And, and today, you know, you're the first guest. You're my first interview because the history that your family has, you know, uh, with this topic today. Uh, again, you know, I'll bring this up. I'll, I'll I'll bring the map so that people know more or less what we're talking about uh, today. You know, and as as you said, your house, your your um, your family comes from Alabadin here, between Sada and Damaj. Yeah, this is Damaj Valley. Yeah, uh, this is where Dar Hadith is. Yes, and this is the uh, we drove, we drove yes. past your house, yeah, to Dar al Hadith that that evening. But obviously, it was after sunset after maghrib so we we yeah. didn't see your your house right away uh yeah. but this is the city of sada you know this is the entrance i believe this is the road entrance Pontana, yes. to, to, to sada so more or less i my my problems that year started around here because that's where the that's where the checkpoint should be <laughs> but uh but now you know. Now that 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 we're showing uh, our our viewers on YouTube the map, so they can see the geography here. 
um, and our listeners later on, you know, we're showing a map. I'm showing a map of um, of Sada province and showing where uh, uh, where Dr. Mujali's family comes from and 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 the connection between his family and Dar uh, al Hadith, the Salafis in Dar al Hadith, Sheikh Mokbel al Wadi, and the Houthis, who first, you know, eventually controlled Sada. So, Doctor, without further ado, um, you know, I, I, I like to ask you um, if you can summarize for us, from your perspective, the, 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 the short history of the rise of Beit al-Husi and, and, and the Husi movement that, that, we, are, that, that we see uh, controlling uh, the capital Sana'a today. How can you summarize that for us? Uh, thank you, my uh, good old friend, Fernando. Uh, as you said, we have a very long uh, relationship and uh, we got uh, beautiful chances to meet during this long time, 20 years ago, relationship. Uh, actually, if we talk about the Houthi movement, how it started and uh, the time it started until now, it's a very, very long story. Uh, but uh, many people know about it. But I'll give you a summary uh, according to my uh, experience that uh, Houthi's name, you know, uh, belongs to uh, Houth. This Houth, it is a big, uh, you know, village or you can say a city of the, the second big city in Amran, Gabonarit. It's called Houth. And this uh, Houthi family, they shifted to Saada and they stayed in Haidan, uh, Haidan district. is a, a, a countryside where the education is very weak and the uh, government, um, you know, the development of education and health still weak in that area. So he started there and he started to, uh, uh, to make a small school and encouraging people with the uh, aggressive and uh, secretarian uh, mobilization uh, training. Uh, they started in the beginning of uh, 90s, in the beginning of 90s, as uh, you know, a small group trying to uh, to make a small, uh, you know, uh, uh, what I can say, training, uh, summer training center in the school during summer. Uh, but, uh, you know, they started uh, uh, as, uh, uh, what I can say, uh, as um, a small group and benefited from the uh, environment of uh, democracy in the beginning of the 90s. Uh, they start to attract the, uh, attract the young people to attend this uh, summer training uh, center, and they got some support by the government as they are, you know, an innocent group and they maybe uh, they, they will go as, uh, you know, a political group or a political party with Hezbollah Haq. Uh, but nobody knows that time that they are going to be changed as a military, military uh, armed group practicing uh, terror and violence. Uh, later on. 
So uh, they got some uh, support, and uh, the former president Ali Abdullah Saleh he tried to help them to make balance with the with the socialism party and Islah party and other. You know, they benefited of this environment and this situation to build themselves. And that time they have started to connect uh, to make a good connection and relationship with the with Iran. Uh, and uh, Hezbollah, the time in the beginning of 1990s, uh, so many people belong to this movement. They went to uh, Iran to get some training in different fields, uh, how to make cells and how to make organization and how, 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 uh, I mean, uh, to make, uh, what I can say, uh, uh, organization. Military organization and also uh, armed armed group. So uh, even uh, that time, the support, right. the Iranian support, was you know very very good to these people by training and even the health center of Iran was supported by Iranian hospital. That time, uh, it, it showed that there is a good connection between this group. And they are carrying the ideology of Iran. Anyhow, uh, it is you know very long history, but uh, I'm 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 just telling you the the the, the fact as I am from Saad government uh, governorate. I have a good experience with this issue, uh, and I'm talking to you you know uh, as uh, a Yemeni. I, I don't uh, now I don't belong to any 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 parties, but. Uh, uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm uh, telling the reality. Uh, I don't stand. I'm not talking about Houthi that I have some reaction against them, but right. it is it is the the, the fact. Right. Uh, you know, uh, during the uh, the Houthi started the war, started the war after they have you know they put their uh, slogan slogan. Uh, and shouting inside the mosque, and they they put their slogans everywhere uh, in in um, Haidan area. Okay. And Haidan district, and they were you know trying to uh, disturb the local authority and to uh, control the areas where they stay there. Even that time, you cannot do some health activity like vaccination. Only by you know very long uh, you know uh, uh, conversation and talk with the local authority and they talk to Houthis to allow the uh, medical team to do their uh, work and practicing the health activity. Uh, so there is so of course there is so many complaints uh, uh, from the Haidan uh, Haidan um, uh, local authority that Houthis are trying to. Uh, you know, uh, to, uh, to, 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 to tell the people that, uh, this is unlegal government and we should not give the taxes and customs and all that to the government. And, um, this flag should not be, you know, uh, uh, should not be up on this fault. I mean, uh, they created a lot of uh, problems for the local authority. Right. Uh, during the time, you know, uh, the former uh, president Al Abdullah Saleh was passing from Sada and he was bringing in 
Al-Hadimus, it is the, the, the biggest old mosque in Sada, and he was being there, and about 30% of Houthi members, they were, you know, after the praying, they started shouting, and he said, what's happening? That time, they were, you know, they, they have started to, do, to distribute their members, if you were, Sada, uh, big mosque, and started their sarha, uh, their shouting. So, uh, is this still 1990s? Uh, no, it is. Uh, or before uh, the war know, in 2004. In the beginning, in the beginning of 2004. Yeah, the the beginning of the war. Okay. Mm -hmm. Beginning of the war, uh, the uh, national, uh, you know, the, the, they went national um, uh, national uh, mediation committee. They went to Marwan to Al Houthi to ask them to go to Sanaa. So they must go there and talk with the government how to allow him or not to allow him to start such activity which is not accepted by the local authority and Saudi government uh, authority. Because this is, you know, uh, it is a kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, what I can say, it's a kind of uh, sectarian activities and, uh, you know, aggressive, aggressive movement against uh, the government and uh, it's not uh, it's not aligned but he did not accept all kind of uh, uh, you know uh, all kind of uh, uh, mediation committees the, you know it was from Tada, it was from Sana'a so many people went to Marwan area to ask him to uh, to go to Sana'a but it's not accepted and how the war started, you know, during the presence of a national mediation in Marwan area waiting for Al-Houthi to, uh, to, to go to Sana'a and talk, to the, uh, talk with the government, they started shouting the checkpoint where there's the, uh, uh, a government soldier in northern of Sada, it's called uh, Nasarin. They shot about uh, two or three soldiers, about you know, around 11.30 in the morning, and they killed these two or three uh, soldiers. At the same day, you know, in, in Al-Safi, which is near Dahyan, uh, they shot two uh, army, uh, two government army soldiers in the checkpoint. So uh, the bloody bullet, it was started by Houthi. This is the fact, and nobody, nobody can ignore that. Because of this uh, right. uh, action by Houthis, the government started to call more army around Marwan. Because they, uh, the Houthis started to shout, and the Houthi was saying that anybody's going to, uh, you know, uh, the, you know, the any 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 soldier or government um, soldier is our enemy. Anyway. And he was encouraging his uh, followers to uh, to fight or this to, was Hussein. Uh, yes, at the time, this was Hussein al Houthi. to let them stop the war and to be a, a political uh, party or whatever. We we remember uh, that in I believe it was two thousand and nine when the Qataris intervened and offered to mediate. Right, it was two thousand and nine. When the when Qatar was also trying to mediate an end to the war, exactly, exactly. It is you know very long story. No mediation, you know, succeed. 
with Houthis, with a, uh, whether it is uh, national mediation or regional mediation, also international community. Defense, if you, if you remember, you know, the conference of Kuwait one, uh, conference of Kuwait two, and, uh, Stockholm one, Stockholm two, Geneva one, Geneva two. Actually, Houthi, they have a, a plan, they have a program. Sometimes it is, it is not their own uh, policy. They, they, it is, you know, they are uh, under the desire and the order of foreign uh, government, you know. They are forced to do such activity and, uh, uh, you know, uh, they are controlled by uh, other hands. This is the, this is the fact. Otherwise, you know, uh, the one who left his country, I think he will never go for continue war and continue, you know, you know uh, absorb wars against the people, against the country, and they, uh, you know, they withdraw by force the children from school and let them to go to the battle and fighting after fighting, you know, since the uh, you know, last uh, 17 years. Right. If we if we do look at this as a continuous war, as you say, from 2004 until now, this is the longest war in Yemen, right? I mean, the, the even 1962 it ended in 1967. You know, the Revolutionary War in, in the north yeah. was a five year yeah. war. Yeah. If we yeah. look at the uh, at the Revolution for Independence, the fight for independence in 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 the south. It was not longer than a couple of years either. One as soon as the the British agreed to to leave, uh, the war in Aden between you know one side and another of the Socialist Party lasted a couple of weeks. the The Civil War of nineteen ninety four didn't last longer than a month e- either. But this would be. You know, the, the six-year war was already the longest war in Yemen. And now if, if, if we put this from 2004 until now, it is the longest war in Yemen, right? You are right. You know, the environment, the political uh, political environment in Yemen uh, gives, you know, a good benefit for Houthis to expand from Sa'da to Amran and to, uh, to reach Sana'a and to other uh, places. Unfortunately, we had a very uh, irresponsible, irresponsible uh, parties, uh, parties, uh, uh, you know, uh, conflict, uh, especially in the you know uh, Arab spring uh, mm-hmm. uh, revolution, right. which is you know badly used by right. these parties because they take a revenge from the. You know, to you know, uh, against the uh, regime, and they started also to 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 shake hand with Houthis as they are together against the regime. Right, and the see- regime after that, you know, changed to the same by the same, uh, you know, method, and he joined Houthis also against this um, Houthis. Right, you know, uh, a responsible game in Yemen by by unfortunately the by the parties. The Yemeni parties, they were responsible with the situation of Yemen by, you know, uh, uh, creating good uh, environment by, you know, by their conflict to the Houthis to come slowly to, you know, and easy to, to, to Sana'a. Right. And, you know, till, uh, uh, you know, uh, February 2000, 2011, Houthi was, you know, outside of uh, Sada. 
outside Sada city. And, you know, they were, you know, Sada city, it was safe. But by this uh, conflict, due to this conflict, due to this crisis, or what uh, they call it, you know, uh, youth revolution, which I right. told you it was, you know, badly used by some uh, party, unfortunately. Right. Which, which is, you know, uh, uh, you know, which destroyed the state entirely, you know, uh, and Yemen became, you know, divided and, uh, uh, you know, uh, lots of, uh, crisis, lots of, uh, what I can say, conflict, political uh, conflict. Right. right. No, but yeah. we see. But if- I'd like to add something, you know, before that, in the fifth war, Bada, unfortunately, the national, uh, committee, National Mediation Committee, which is, you know, made by the five members uh, whom belong in good relation, whom, you know, having good relation with Houthis, like uh, Mr. Dutsan and, you know, Sofi, uh, Sofi and Paris Manna and uh, two others, you know, uh, member of this um, mediation committee, they... They, 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 you know, they play very bad, you know, uh, role during the, d- during uh, about six months of their uh, right. active uh, committee mediation. You know, they withdraw the army uh, right. and security from their side in the in, in all districts, right. and they replace, as they said, the, the, they they let the government to to, to accept their, uh, you know, their. Um, their, uh, uh, you know, dirty game. They withdraw the army and the um, security of the army from the mountain and from their normal site, and they replace them by the local people from the district. So, but fortunately, in fact, they were Houthis members whom replaced by uh, instead of uh, instead of government. So, by this mediation committee. The government became very small, or just inside Sada city, from the fifth war to the uh, right. to the uh, the uh, you know take uh, take off the governorate, right? Uh, be, be, without any fighting, you know they right. just uh, you know they just withdraw this army from the mountain. Right. And today, you know, uh, a lot of people. I mean, I've, I focus on, on social media, highlighting how the Houthis have used mountainous areas in order to advance, whether it was Sada, uh, Western, Al-Jauf, or now in Madhav, you know, the Houthis go, use the mountains for their military operations because that's what they're good at. You know, they're not good at fighting in the open desert and flatlands. They're good at fighting over the... Uh, in the mountains and you, you you know a lot of people have always you, you know since the years that i was in, in in yemen and i always pointed to a military base or a military post up in the mountains you know a, a lot of people used to complain about the presence of, of of the government military in these mountains but as you just described the minute that the military the minute the minute that the national military withdrew from the mountains the Houthis move into the mountains, and from there they started control larger and larger areas of the uh, of territory. And obviously, the national military lost the advantage. You know, military tactics la- lost the advantage to the Houthis slowly and slowly in Sada. But you know, to to remind our our listeners and our viewers a little bit on this timeline, 
You know, let's remember that the war started in 2004, as you mentioned, doctor. And then in 2006, we had the presidential elections that were also presidential government, governor elections and local authority elections. And in, and in 2006, you know, when Ali Abdullah Saleh had said he was not going to run for re-election, we had the the Mushtarak, the J, the the joint meeting party, putting uh, Ben Shamlan uh, as their their candidate. With you, you, you know, Islah as the major uh, partner in this uh, coalition, but Hamid Al Ahmar as being you know Beit Al Ahmar uh, playing a major role during this election. And if we look back at the history of this period from 2006 to 2009, we see that political environment that you just described fragmenting. You know, that fight between Hamid and Ali Abdullah Salah, or Hamid and Ali uh, Ahmed Ali, that surface, you, you, you know, they came to the surface. The, Hamid was doing interviews at the time, attacking Ali Abdullah Salah personally, attacking Ahmed Ali. And this tension started brewing between you know, Beit al-Ahmar and Ali Abdullah Salah, but between the Motamar and Islah, right? And then we had 2009, where under um, Dr. Yassin Saeed, we had this national dialogue, this attempt at the national dialogue under uh, socialist uh, leader, party leader, uh, who is now the, the ambassador in London. And, and, you know, from 2009 to 2010, this whole dialogue try to bring the the houthis and reconcile all factions including herak which herak started their their protest i mean not started but began to escalate uh protests around 2007 after the elections uh and mainly because southerners were excluded from the military jobs and things like this uh military officers were not paid who were retired so we do see this political environment that you just mentioned how it be- started fragmenting you know, and 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 as the political environment fragmented, Houthis then started taking advantage of this political fragmentation in order to make gains on the ground, you know, among the people in Sada, uh, basically saying, look, you know, look at this mess that's in Sana'a. <laughs> you know, we can do a better job than them. Uh, and then taking advantage of it and, and, and pushing the military out a little bit. And then the national dialogue basically fails. In 2010, we have to be honest about this. Remember, in 2010, Ali Abdullah Saleh was trying to ask Yassin Saeed Noman to be the next prime minister. And then he asked uh, the, the late uh, Abdul Karim Aliriani to be the next prime minister. And there was this whole couple of months around May and June of going back and forth trying to make a government. Then we have the December 2010 uh, issue in the parliament trying to change the laws and 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 and, and reform the electoral uh, body that was taken advantage by Ahmed Saif Hashid and Tawakal Karman as beginning. This is even before Benghazi, even before we heard about Benghazi in Libya. You know, these were this is what was going on in Sanaa. Um, again, further political fragmentation, and then boom. January 2011 comes in the beginning of the uprising, the beginning of that, you know, uh, Arab Spring conflict that merely, you know, some like yourself believe just completely, you know, destroyed the political structure in, in, in Yemen and various parties then started taking advantage of that fragmentation. Um, uh, Doctor, how then, 
moving into, you know, I've asked, I'm going to ask this question of, of other guests and I've asked it before, you know, how do we go from all of this stuff, all, all of this conflict that we saw before 2011 to April 2011, when after Firqa and after Republican Guard left Sada and the Houthis basically took over Sada in March 2011. But in April 2011, we saw Houthis coming from Amran, from Sada to join the, um, the, the Change Square, you know, to join the protest at Change Square. And I, uh, as I mentioned before, I used to live down the street and I would always go every day and I would see Houthis, I would see Islahis, I would see socialists, I would see independents. I would even see, you know, the former Motamar, the GPC defectors, quote unquote, being there and interacting. How did we go from that interaction in, in, in Change Square, you know, where it should have been an excellent opportunity for everyone to come together, you know, having one target, Ali Abdullah Salah, you know, uh, Ali Mohsen, uh, to, to remove the regime. How do we go from that potential unity, you, you, you know, to complete collapse of, of the transition in, in the, the, the current war that, that, that we see, you know, the, the, that unity from Change Square didn't necessarily transfer to the national dialogue and then broke down in 2014. But why? Why, why that, was that opportunity wasted? Yes, you know, a very hard uh, conflict in Yemen between the uh, regime, uh, you know, uh, leader, you know, uh, Ali Abdullah Saleh, Ali Mohsen, this is the group with this party, and this is the group of parties, they were not in well uh, relationship, uh, you know, uh, it showed us very clearly in 2011. This is, you know, uh, this is damaged and uh, inside the uh, government and uh, the system, the regime. So everybody was uh, against uh, each other, the parties against each other. Everybody is, uh, you know, making allied with, uh, with others, you know, against the other. So uh, Ali Abdullah Saleh, unfortunately, with, uh, with Ali Mahindad, you know, uh, uh, deal with the Sada issue will, you know, maybe there was a competition and there was, there was no, uh, a clear war to eradicate the war and, uh, Houthi's, uh, movement to let them stop or, you know, every time there is to stop the war and again start the war. So uh, this is, you know, created uh, unconfidence with the people towards the government that they are more serious for Yemen problem with authorities or economic right. or political uh, situation. So, uh, you know, uh, the problem in, in, in Sana'a gives a chance to authorities to move easily to Fulfada, to Amban, to Fala'a, and they get access, easy access, and uh, uh, so many support was given to them uh, by, uh, you know, uh, this, um, you know, uh, by the regime. Uh, you know, then uh, the, the national dialogue, 
we thought that the national dialogue will uh, solve the problem of Yemen, but I think the national dialogue created more problems because uh, it was not running well. It gave a chance, you know, to Houthi, while Houthi at the time was creating war in Amran and uh, close to Sana'a. And also they, 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 they make, uh, you know, um, uh, a big uh, war crimes against the uh, Dammaj area, Amran, and, uh, they, you know, during the national dialogue itself. And there was no serious action against them to stop them, whether to come to dialogue or the, uh, to come to um, a negotiation table or uh, national dialogue or to stop war, war. So they were fighting and they were in national dialogue at the same time. So, uh, right. uh, so this is, you know, this is, uh, you know, I, I think uh, I cannot, I cannot uh, explain well what's the real situation. It is the weakness of the regime and the conflict and the crisis in Sana'a which leads us to this situation and allows Houthi to come to the to to to, to Sana'a and uh, play their dirty uh, game with some bark, and now uh, you know right. they, they they control us and and then uh, they have given to them everything the armies and uh, right. uh, all 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 uh, government uh, facilities and this give them you know a, a big. Uh, Encourage and the international community. Unfortunately, they were ignoring, and they, they, there was no, uh, uh, you know, they, they were ignoring the Houthis' crime. When started from Sada till there is to to Sanaa, there was no clear uh, action and statement from the international community against Houthi. I right. don't know. They would like Houthi to grow. Up, uh, more and more, uh, or, or 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 what? Even till now, you know what's happening in, in Marib. I think I think uh, what's happening also now in Marib. Maybe there's, in my opinion, there's a, a green light. Houthi cannot challenge the international uh, community and um, UN and uh, United Nations and the Security uh, Council. Uh, you know, they, they are in need of international support. But I think there is a green light to continue their game. I don't know. I as think a part uh, of, I don't right. know. I think, uh, I, I think it's a little bit too much credit being given to the international actors when it comes to this stuff. I don't think that the U.S., I don't think the U.S., the, the, the Security Council or, or, or anyone is, 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 is good enough at this. Uh, to be able to 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 organize uh, what we're seeing today from the Houthis, you know, a little bit of background for for our viewers, for our listeners, you know, in August 2013, just when the the national dialogue was about to end, you know, when all the reports were 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 being finalized in all the committees, this is when we saw the spark, uh, the sparking of the war in Damaj. Uh, between the, the Houthis and uh, Dar al-Hadith. You know, this was the first time that they engaged in the war directly and we saw play it out on social media. We saw a lot of students in um, in, in, in the match, foreigners and Yemenis, you know, posting that the, they were taking arms and they were defending 
uh, Damage area because they didn't want the Houthis to take over Damage and, and they did not want to to make uh, any final agreement with, with with the Houthis themselves to protect, you know, which is something that later on we saw different um, in uh, Damar with uh, Mohammed, uh, uh, the the Sheikh, uh, the Salafi Sheikh in Damar, that eventually signed a uh, pact of non-aggression with the Houthis in in, in 2005 and 2015. So in August 2013, we saw. Houthis move in into the Maj. Then from, from August to December, we saw Salafis leaving. We saw Yemenis from the Maj being displaced already. You know, they might have not been all Yemenis uh, that were Salafi. They just from the Maj uh, village being displaced from there. And then we saw the Houthis moving into Amran, military speaking, moving into uh, Amran uh, province and pushing the military further down into uh, the city of uh, of Amran, and then finally in December, January, uh, January of 2014, we saw that the president, President Hadi, made an agreement in order to move everyone from Damaj, Salafis in particular, to Hodeida and then to to Sanaa as IDPs, basically. And and this was an out. This outraged a lot of people. Uh, the deal and 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 this was a big win victory for for the houthis and then of course we saw the events uh, of, of the summer 2014 where the where the houthis took over amran and they killed the commander in 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 amran and, and soon after that they marched straight into into sana um doctor after this yes. in 2000 and in, in 2015 in 2014 you know, when the UN stepped in, when Ben Omar uh, stepped in in September two, 2014 with Hadi to mediate, we saw the U.S. trying to mediate. We saw the group of 10 embassies trying to mediate with, with, with the Houthis. You know, eventually it led to sanctioning uh, of Ali Abdullah Saleh and, and Abdul Malik al-Houthi by the U.S. and by the U.N. Security Council. And then we saw in January 2015, the Houthis moving against the cabinet and putting the cabinet members in house arrest, including the president, who then uh, had to escape uh, to to Aden. And that's talk about the fracture, talking about the fragmenting, talking about the game, uh, doctor. I mean, that escape from Sana'a completely handed the capital to the Houthis, right? I mean, the government just got up and left. And by the government, I mean the president. Right, the, the the military was already defeated. The military was already kicked out of Sanaa. Now we had Ali Abdullah Saleh's military. We had Houthi militia take controlling Sanaa. We saw pictures uh, uh, of Houthi Houthi militia and Republican Guard guarding the CBY, guarding government uh, ministries between September 2014 and February 2014. We had uh, military guarding the president's house uh, uh, across from, from the parliament, you know, um, where the president couldn't leave his house. Uh, we saw the numbers of arrests of Islam, members of Islam, uh, the, the, by, by the Houthis. And then Baha, Khaled Baha, the prime minister, the president, they leave Sanaa. This just basically hands the capital over to the Houthis in 2014. How do you... Because, how do you... because, the, because of the conflict and the enmity between the part uh, of uh, you, you know, the Yemen government and leaders 
uh, it hand over the uh, army and right. so many things to the hand of Houthis, unfortunately. Right. Right. So uh, it is, we have a very corrupted political, uh, you know, uh, leader. Unfortunately, this I mean, is, I mean, we know. we this is when the U.S. was fully engaged with with the, with the conflict with Houthis. You know, this is when the 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 European Union was fully engaged when Saudi, Qatar, the Emirates were fully engaged in Sana in in Sana with the with this conflict, and all of a sudden, you know, everything is just handed to the Houthis in February, early March of 2015. Yeah, but actually, some international. Uh, some uh, global, uh, you know, uh, uh, or uh, international intelligence center, they have no problem with Houthis. Maybe they, maybe <laughs> they. We need, they, we need they, to check on this because I'm pretty yeah, sure so a lot of people have a problem with Houthis. I'm, I'm telling you my, <laughs> my, my, right. my, my personal opinion. Right, right. With, Houthis uh, and Hezbollah just a minute. Houthis yep. and Hezbollah, they are a part and they belong, uh, you know, they are uh, uh, loyal to Iran. Okay? And U.S. hand over Iraq government to the loyal, to, to, to a party which is belong and loyal to Iran government. Who deliver Iraq to, to these people who are ruling uh, Iraq now? And you know, it is a kind of uh, mobilization of uh, supporting the crisis uh, and problems and directly to this region. I don't know. Maybe you don't, uh, you are not with me with this opinion, but uh, this is my opinion, because till now, till this very, very long, uh, uh, very long, uh, uh, story of Houthis, war and crimes. Till now, it is not, uh, you know, recognized uh, uh, as a terror organization right. or a military, right. military, uh, you know, uh, group. Right. And it is showing to everybody. Just a minute. It's showing to everybody that they are practicing uh, terror and violence since uh, 2004. Just now, recently, U.S. government recognized Houthis as, uh, you know, uh, uh, terror organization. Right. Just no, now, I mean, they are, even they are hesitant to say like, like, yeah. like this. Yeah. No, and hesitate. I mean, I think this is one of the major failures of the European Union and the U.S., isn't it? The fact that over the last six years, you know, of this war, they have the European governments and the US government have not come out and been explicitly clear about how they address this conflict. The European Union and the Americans yeah. and the American yeah. administrations, Obama, uh, Trump, and now Biden, have merely delegated the narrative of this conflict to Saudi Arabia, meaning this is Saudi, ter- Saudi, um. Uh, sphere of influence. This is this conflict has more to do with Saudi than with us, the Europeans, and with us, the Americans. But as you say, you know, the Americans and Europeans complain about Mandab, complain about mines on the Red Sea, complain about smuggling in the Arabian Sea into the Horn of Africa. But they, uh, Europeans, every European country, 
not uh, you, you you know not just within the EU, but even Russia and and then we add China to this mix. But every EU country and the EU itself, the US and the UN as a structure as an entity, have failed to address the current conflict on its own. This war in Yemen is always addressed through the 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 the, the perspective of other conflicts in the region, you know, through the Iran-Saudi conflict, through the U.S.-Iran conflict, you know, but you're, you're right that, you, you know, part of this, you know, theory of yours about the green light does come from that lack of information, does, does come from, you know, this mixed messages that the Europeans and the Americans are sending every year, every month, you know, and now from this current administration, I just said in the intro that the, the, the Biden administration risks making huge mistakes that are going to have even a bigger impact down the line this year in the war if the U.S. does not correct their direction and correct their approach to 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 the conflict. If you if you had you you, you know, and I'll ask this of all our guests today, but if you had the the ear of the special envoy, the ear of the U.S. Um, Secretary of State, you know, what would be the one thing, what would be your advice to, to, to the American administration on how to take a first step, how to take a, uh, how to deal with the current situation, which is Marib, Hodeida, the IDP situation, and a return to peace talks? What, which, what should be the first step? Is is the solution in the military in a military victory against the Houthis, or is the solution in some sort of diplomatic effort today? Yes, but I'd like to <clears throat> clarify something, uh, Mr. Fernando. Before 2015, before 2000, so many wars, so many fighting was started by Houthis. From the first war to the uh, sixth war, so many people died, so many people were, were killed. And the, before 2000, uh, from uh, 2004 to 2011, they reached fighting from Sada and there to uh, Amran, Kabanere. The IDBs lifted their home uh, are more than uh, 270,000 from Sada and Hajja and Amran government. This is, this is, you know, uh, humanitarian, uh, violence, you know, this is a crime. It's not the problem, uh, Saudi Arabia. You know, Saudi Arabia, uh, Saudi Arabia was asked by Yemen government to stand with the Yemen government because Houthis, uh, you know, started to be very dangerous group with 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 dangerous uh, imported ideology it's not dangerous for yemen for for all the region unfortunately so uh uh Houthi sub you know uh, Houthi was you know dangerous not only for yemen but also for the uh, region Saudi arabia after the uh, and uh, other uh, Arab government, they stand with the legal government. Now, they support the legal government. And so many areas have been, you know, uh, uh, liberated. And now Houthis 
anymore there in Adan and Bala and Somarib, and there is no support, and it will be controlled by Houthis now because all the army was and they were, you know, allied with Ali Abdullah Saleh and they make a big power. You know, the Yemen army was in their hands and weapons and everything. Now, I think, in my opinion, to take over or to, uh, you know, manage to uh, enter Maghrib, this is very big mistake, will be done by uh, Houthis. Hundreds of thousands of uh, uh, displaced persons are living in Maghrib. Most of these people, they left their own villages, they left their own uh, cities to find safe place to live. While their homes archer still occupied by Houthis, even if they think to go back to their cities, to their homes, you know, other people are living in their homes. This is, you know, the, the behavior of Houthis, Malaysia, you know, nobody, nobody can trust them, even if they manage uh, to, to, to get uh, married. Right. And to, to go inside, you know, they will, they will do, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, crime and uh, they will do a lot of, uh, you know, revenge against the people of Marib and uh, IDB's camp there. These hundreds of thousands of people, where they, where they will go. Right, right. You know, this will result. Uh, Nearly in, two million a, people in Marib. Humanitarian, hum, right. humanitarian crime. Uh, the, the thousand of people will go to the border of Saudi. Thousand of people will go to uh, Shepwa and other governments, which is there is no infrastructure right. to further stress, further people. stress on these provinces, and further and, and further conflict in these provinces. Whether it's Ib or Beida or Shebwa or Hadramaut, you know the mm. stress that's going to be created by re-displacement uh, of nearly a million. IDPs in Marib and 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 a million uh, residents uh, uh, of Marib, you know, uh, it it is going to be the catastrophe for for 2021, isn't it? If any, if the fighting escalates and, and continues this way, you know. But again, uh, I I on social media, I've I've been beating this drum for a last month, you know, when 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 the media and, and activists started saying, you know, the Houthis have escalated the fighting in Marib. The Houthis have been fighting for the, to to reach the city of Matter for one year. They started when they took Kitaf uh, in January of 2020. They started when they took you you, you know Al Hassan, the the capital of uh, of Al Jauf in, in April of, of of 2020. They started when they moved from Naham into Matter by by the summer of 2020. What re What escalation? This has been a year-long war by the Houthis, you know, and then the second, and then the next message came when the Houthis moved into Kitaf, uh, uh, Al Beida, to remove uh, ISIS and, and AQ, and they were they easily moved from Kitaf and Ratma, Al Beida into southern uh, Marib, and now we see government uh, officials and government uh, activists confirming that Houthis are in Jabal Murad area. I mean, in 13 months, almost 12, 13 months, the, the, the Houthis have been escalated. The Houthis have marched to within 20 kilometers of the city of Marib. Isn't this a massive failure 
all around, whether it's the Yemeni military, whether it's the Yemeni government, whether it's the coalition, whether it's the international, co- you, you, you know, these entities need to shoulder the burden and publicly admit that they failed to deal with the Houthi advance for the last 13 months. You know, just uh, sorry, doctor, but just two weeks ago, we saw a campaign on Twitter where the, the government of Yemen was putting all the responsibility on UN agencies and NGOs for their failure, quote unquote, to deal with the IDP crisis and the Houthis. But the NGOs are not fighting the Houthis anywhere. The NGOs, the UN doesn't have airplanes. The UN doesn't have soldiers or, or NGOs don't have soldiers. The ones that have been losing to the Houthis have been the National Army and, and, and the coalition. So, I mean, I don't understand how anyone tries to change the narrative and put the burden on the UN or, 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 or NGOs on the ground during war. I mean, this is, for me, I don't understand how there's an emergency today. There's urgency to stop the Houthis today, but there was no urgency to stop the Houthis January 2020. There was no urgency to stop the Houthis in the summer of 2020. There was no urgency to stop the Houthis in December 2020. Who shoulders this burden, this responsibility? uh, In fact, uh, the Yemen government is maybe asking for political support, political pressure to Houthis because no serious announcement from the international uh, community or the UN agencies against Houthis and what the Houthis are doing, you know, uh, uh, now only, you know, a diplomatic statement and talk with Houthis. But the only other option is for some uh, European power to enter the war and start flying uh, fighter jets on behalf of the government. I tell you frankly and clearly, there is a weakness with the Yemeni government, the government, to deal with Houthi's militia politically and also in the uh, field, the ground. But the, uh, uh, the Marib tribe are Fighting with braveness against Houthi, against Houthi, you know, struggle. They Without struggle salaries. Out. You know why? You know why? Why the married people are fighting? Because they know what Houthi will do in marriage. You know, he will, he will expel the people from their home, from their archer. He will bring Sada, young boys, to make checkpoints there and to Blow up houses, blow up houses of sheikhs like they've done in Amran, like they've done in Sanaa. They will bomb bomb their houses, they will cut their trees, they will cut their archers. So everybody knows what's the behavior of Houthis. So in Marib, they have a good experience with Houthis because they know what the Houthis done in in Amran, in Sada, in Hajja, and all this area, anybody. So because Houthi ideology is I am the only one must be ruled. Right. Okay. And he, you know, he uh, confiscates all the rights of others. Right. If you are not, if you are not uh, with me, then you are uh, against, against me. me. Right. You are no, and we enemy. saw, we saw this when it comes to the failure to support, uh, doctor. We saw this in Radman. In, in Beida, when the war, when when the fighting started in Al Beida last year uh, uh, with uh, Sheikh Yasser Alawadi's tribes, you know we saw how the the government did not react to this on the first day. They reacted a month later, and then when the coalition decided to send 
to to send weapons to to the tribes. The tribes had already left, and the Houthis walked yeah. in and took the weapons. So now it's the same thing. They're not paying salaries. We see we see images of tribes from other area, even from from Hodeida, taking food for the tribes of Marib. But where are the billions of dollars available to the Yemeni government to feed and and for logistics to support the tribes that are fighting the the, the Houthis? Where are the weapons for the tribes to fight the Houthis? You know, we already saw uh, early this year where coalition airplanes were trying to bomb the Houthis, but instead they killed Yemeni tribe, the tribesmen from Madib or soldiers from the government near Kofa Mountain and camp. So instead of killing Houthis, they killed the fighting the, the people that were fighting the Houthis. We we see you know, this is, poor know, people donating money to the tribes. Nobody will, will will kill himself or will kill his brother. But it is, you know, mountain and geography it helps this part or Houthi or a government. You know, mountain area, it is a good place for fighting, especially right. Houthis, they know right. how to fight in mountains. Right. Right. In mountains. But uh, you know, uh, 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 the governor is married. It's very important right. city for right. the Reagan government and for the Houthis. You know, right. it is psychologically right. important and economically and politically also right. important for for anybody. Any. Right. Houthis trying to uh, you know uh, you know to 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 to, to get in married. You know, right. uh, he was. He is trying in the last three years, you know. Right. But he could not. He could not. Right. Uh, and government, you know, knows that it is one of the main cities for legal government is Marib. Right. If I mean, the vice president, know, the vice president Ali Mohsen, you know, yeah, uh, the vice president Ali Mohsen basically lived in Marib for the last three or four years since he was appointed vice president. He lived in that. That was his base. You know, Madrid was the base for the coalition since the start of this war, where all the all the countries, Qatar, Saudi, Egypt, uh, Emirates, were based in Madrid. You know, the, the prime minister uh, was based in in in, uh, in the cabinet were placed in in Aden, but the vice president and the military were in Madrid. Now, you know, you lose Madrid. Uh, you don't have any government officials in North Yemen, and you don't have basically the STC can remove the, the, the cabinet from Aden. And now the government, the legitimate internationally recognized government does not exist on the ground in Yemen. So, I mean, it has now there's an urgency in March 2021, but there was no urgency a year ago to stop the Houthis marching from Sada into Al Jaw, marching from Naham into Madhab. No, uh, I, I tell you, uh, you know, something is very important. Marib, uh, the government and the vice president, they're supposed uh, to be there uh, most of the time. But I don't know, even me, I don't have the answer why we, uh, they are not present there to mobilize and to manage everything uh, from uh, Marib. They are away from Marib. And at the same time, it is very important for the legal government not to lose uh, I mean, it, Ali Mohsen is a commander. Major, the, the one who is playing major role, role to defend Marib are the tribe. Exactly. Ali Mohsen is a commander. He's He's been a, a military commander since the 1980s. 
you know, mm-hmm. for him to not be in Madrid conducting the war against the Houthis, defending Madrid, defending the oil, defend. If you don't want to defend the people, that's one thing. But you know, economically, you know, you don't want to defend the oil. You don't want to defend the the last city, the military bases, and for him to not be in Madrid sitting in the city of Madrid you know, for the chief of staff, for the, the commander of the military, for the commanders of the military, not to be in the city visible, uh, you know, their junior, le- lower level uh, military officials, officers that are seen in Madrid, but the president, the, the chief of staff, etc., you know, they're not in Madrid every day showing the people that they're there to defend the city. To to to, to And then they leave it up to uh, Sheikh Fulan from here and Sheikh Fulan from there to be out in the media and to be talking to the media and social media at the front line. You know, we see so many sheikhs, uh, tribal sheikhs on, on social media, you know, the, these older gentlemen, you know, sitting uh, on their car, cleaning their weapons, you know, and, 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 and fighting and, and you see them shooting and everything, but we don't see the government in, in, in matter. We nobody sees the government in Madrid, and basically, this in optics wise, this basically says the government gave up on Madrid. The government expects to lose Madrid this month because the government is not there. Government is not there, and uh, in fact, nobody can uh, expect what will happen the coming right. days. But as uh, you know, we have the information now that the situation is okay, but. Uh, uh, it is in general, it is bad, right. whether in in in, in Marib or in uh, right. in all in all Yemen. Yemen now became one of the the worst uh, situation, right. humanitarian right. situation in the right. world. Right. Marib uh, itself, you know, perceived uh, it a small city and populated uh, so right. many people inside the city, and they received a lot of uh, right. missiles and bombed right. by Houthis to. Uh, make the people afraid and try to run yeah. away. I don't know what what, what the government. Is the, the government is Madrid? the government is not welcome in Aden, but they're insisting yeah. to be in Aden. The government is welcome in Madrid, but they're not in Madrid. I mean, yeah. I don't understand. I don't understand this. You know, you are where you don't want to be, where where, where you're not wanted, and where you are wanted, you're not there. <laughs> We are, uh, you know, I have I have no uh, very clear answer uh, for this, but uh, also myself, I am asking what uh, what you are asking me. Right, right, doctor. I am blaming also uh, right. the same. Uh, right. We should we should uh, you know the the, the chief leader on this uh, should be uh, you know in, in Marib always and right. prison. Right. And uh, you know. Uh, the government, as you said, in the in Aden, they are not, uh, you know, there is no uh, good uh, or uh, solution for what we have. Uh, they have agreed with right. uh, uh, this one, the Integral, you know. Right, the STC. Doctor, yeah. I've taken way too much of your time. I really appreciate this conversation that we've had. Do you have any closing comments, any closing ideas? Feel free. Uh, thank you very much for this, uh, you know, uh, interview. Uh, the subject it's big, and if right. we talk about it, you know, it take a long right. time. Right. We try, we try to summarize as we can, but also there is lack of information because right. it needs long time and more uh, preparation. 
Absolutely. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, uh, maybe uh, in the future we can prepare well and uh, try to. Thank uh, you. Yes. Yes, definitely. But what, I, what, what I want, what I want is that uh, the international community uh, they must stand with the with the Yemeni people, with the Yemeni people, because Houthis are only. Uh, you know, uh, practicing uh, their works by force and weapons, and they are dealing with others on the base of, uh, you know, uh, sectarian and uh, racist. Okay? If you are with the, the, with the same ideology or will come otherwise, uh, they are ready to fight you. Right. Yeah, they don't give you a chance to have your own uh, personal opinion or whatever. Right. Yeah, and so, as I said in the introduction, I invited uh, people from the Houthi side to join us to do an interview like this. I hate to talk about a group without having them, you you, you know, on the on, on the podcast and listening to their justification to listen to their side of the story. But if they don't accept the invitation, then you know the conversation needs to continue. The, the the conversation needs to continue and you know they they have to realize that only their their rivals that only their opponents are going to have a microphone no, for their you know, ideas they have people they can uh, talk very softly and in a, in a nice way you know uh, they 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 will uh, you know they will say that we are innocent and we are nice people we never fight and they but then just like i pushed on you doctor i will push on them yeah, just I like I push on you, I will push on yeah. them to to give an answer. You know, I'm not I'm not here to 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 serve as a propaganda yeah, megaphone or anything. You know, yeah. uh, you know why they they don't make uh, you know they don't think about table uh, table uh, innovation. Why they don't think about peace? Why they don't think that right. other people are they have the, the same right? Why they don't? Right. Uh, Throw and they don't uh, implement the uh, UN and uh, you know Security Council uh, resolution, especially 2016. You know uh, to throw the weapons and, we mm -hmm. and, and and we think you know to think about how to solve the problem and to keep everybody right and to leave like other right. you know, people. Right. Huh? Right, but right. They, 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 they are, but they, unfortunately, they think about uh, just fighting, encouraging right. people for for battle and to go and die. Right. This Thank you, doctor. Thank you, doctor. Yeah. I really appreciate your time. I I really appreciate your insights, everything, your friendship over the years. Um, I keep learning from you. I keep learning from your brother. Everyone, uh, thank you for welcoming when welcoming me at the various times that I've been to Saudi Arabia. Um, thank your friends, your relatives for for welcoming you to 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 their home um, there in Riyadh in in Saudi. I hope that I get to see you again uh, pretty soon in person. Um, this time is on me. I'll pitch in. <laughs> I want to take you to 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 the Yemeni restaurant in in old Riyadh. You know, I've had very good meals there. But okay, well, uh, it's time. It is, it is really a beautiful experience, friendship with you in the last 20 years. Uh, and we ha we got a beautiful chance to meet every time, Absolutely. from time to time, everywhere. Uh, we hope we continue this uh, good and respect friendship between each other. Thank you. 
and uh, we hope in the future uh, Yemen problem will be solved and Houthis Malaysia will stop thinking about fighting and killing and uh, people will go for table uh, negotiation and they will go for democracy if they right. want to rule the country it's only just by uh, you know election right that's all yes definitely uh, 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 thank you very much we keep in contact Thank you, Doctor. Thank you very much. It's now we're going to welcome Dr. Ali Adelami, who is our next uh, guest in our next conversation, and we're waiting for him to to join us here on Zoom. Uh, pretty soon, he will. I will let him in so that we can start chatting with him. Thanks to uh, Dr. Mujali for joining us. Uh, now I want to welcome uh, my good friend, uh, Dr. Ali Ahmed uh, Adelami former head of the Diplomatic Institute uh, at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Sana'a, uh, former ambassador to Beirut under President Hadi. Doctor, thank you very much for joining us. How are you? Thank you very much and uh, having me. And uh, it's, it's nice to talk about uh, Yemen region. Thank you, doctor. I really appreciate your time. I know you are traveling around and and I, I finally we finally catch up it's been a while since I last saw you since we last met yes uh, actually what happened in Yemen is uh, uh, affect us to be searching and finding peace to rebuild Yemen absolutely thank you doctor we we just uh, heard from dr Omar Mujali as you know, uh, his family uh, are sheikhs in the uh, Maj uh, Saada, uh, considered the center of gravity for, for Salafis uh, since the 1970s. Of course, not all Salafi factions, but for a fairly large and influential segment uh, of the uh, of adherents of, of Salafia. Uh, for me, it is always important to, to highlight this particular history, aspects of history, because it goes to the core, uh, in my opinion, of, uh, of the conflict embraced uh, by Beit al-Houthi today, for example, if we, if we can now begin to narrow this conversation uh, a little bit uh, to the family, al-Houthi family, uh, in particular the Badr al-Din and the uh, Amir al-Din uh, wings of the family. Uh, let's recall, we can recall the war of 2013 uh, during the National Dialogue um, where uh, the Houthis expelled everyone from Dar al-Hadith in, in the Maj. And this event is now often cited by, by a number of Salafi leaders and ties uh, or, or the West Coast, for example, as their motivation for fighting the Houthis uh, over the last six years. Uh, this narrative, uh, in my opinion, is a segment of that new religious, you, you know, we can do, we, we could say sectarian uh, conflict that created the, the narratives of demonization of Hashemis, for example, um, directly at Hashemi Sayyid uh, families. And now, for example, we see this campaign on social media that's been around for a while where Hashemis, calling it Hashemis, uh, Focusing more on Beit al Houthi and, and and their allies, but uh, the way that it's framed, it's a very broad attack on 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 Hashemi families and calling you know Hashemis supremacist, you know, racist uh, in, in, during these campaigns. 
But also at the other side, we see the demonization of Salafis as extremists, uh, as a jihadist terrorist. And now this, the, these type of lines have been adopted by, you know, people on all sides uh, of the conflict. And we see them reflecting on, on social media. Uh, Doctor, can you talk to us about the, a little bit about this conflict um, that many on the outside of Yemen uh, want to dismiss as too simplistic? You know, calling this a sectarian uh, conflict, the, many observers, many analysts say it's too simplistic, uh, but yet we see it at the core of narratives adopted by so many in the Yemeni media and social media. What, what is your opinion about this, this approach to describing the, the current conflict in Yemen? Uh, well, uh, as you described, the, this is a very big uh, question and uh, needs more than just an uh, hour or, uh, to discuss about it. But I will try to give my opinion on that uh, issue. Actually, uh, if, if we look to the roots of this conflict uh, and you read the history of, uh, of Yemen, you, you can find that all these factions using the all uh, elements that you mentioned for uh, reaching to the power. Uh, I mean, in, in the meanwhile, Yemeni people, they are not divided uh, in the past or will not be divide, divided in the future. Because uh, if we can uh, find the solution for this conflict, uh, I mean the political sol solution for this conflict, all this uh, sectarian, uh, madhabi, or uh, regionals, uh, anything of, of, of that uh, using to cover this uh, war will disappear. Uh, regarding Al-Houthi family, uh, Al-Houthi family is part of uh, Hashimit uh, uh, in, in Yemen, but uh, in the end of the day, they, they are the, the who, who established this uh, movement. And uh, that's why now many people, they call Houthi, Houthism, uh, becoming a definition in the political science for Westerns, for Yemeni, for any other people. But the, the, the reality is uh, Al-Houthi is a Yemeni family. And uh, some of them, they are not with the movement. Some of our Houthi family are outside of Yemen, inside Yemen, they are... Uh, uh, very civilians, people, and they are part of Yemen society. Uh, always uh, Yemeni or other uh, Arab or Westerns, they, they use the definition that all Hashimis are Houthi, but uh, we should understand the, the, the matter very, very well. Uh, because of the other factions, didn't want any Hashimis to be in the role of legitimate governments or uh, other uh, any uh, institutional parts in, in Yemen uh, to uh, to participate uh, on it. They always gave them a good suspect uh, that they, you are Hashimi, you are uh, Houthi, uh, which is the make all Hashimis in the. Uh, I would uh, deal with this. Uh, Definition to prefer to be neutral than to be with any uh, part of this uh, conflict. Right. No, and uh, one of the major things uh, before that we saw that we've seen uh, throughout the years also is 
with this issue that you mentioned about certain political parties or certain ideologues in Yemen uh, did adopt this this line that if you were a Hashemi, you were automatically an imamic, you know, and it, you you automatically yearned for the imama, you know, back to pre-1962 with Hamid al-Din. So, you know, you know, we'll continue to, uh, I'll continue to mention this throughout this, this podcast, but people need to consider that in 1962, from 1940s, from the 1940s, before Imam Yahya, Hamid al-Din, until through the revolution of 1962, Hashemis, Beit Hashami, Mutawakil, a lot of these uh, families, they played, Al-Wazir, they played a role uh, against the Hamid ad-Din uh, imamate, and then they played a role as revolutionaries in 1962, whether they were within the military or clerics or or um, or writers, you know, act political activists. We we, we see Hashemi names, uh, names of Hashemi families uh, throughout the the from 1962 to 1967 history of the civil war, the, the revolutionary war, right? Uh, you know the the uh, this uh, accusation from many parties in Yemen. Uh, all uh, I mean, all factions right now they're trying to uh, make uh, all Hashemites uh, they are Houthi because they don't want to believe in the reality what it is because they don't want to believe in the reality in Yemen right now what it is. I mean, Al-Houthi, they are not ruling Hashimi. Al-Houthi movement right now, the representative, uh, huge percent of Yemeni people, and they are working with them. And I don't like to mention Al-Houthi. I mean, Ansar Allah right, right now, which is representative, not just Hashimi. The representative uh, the tribes, the representative Yemeni from different uh, facts. This is the reality. Right. This is the reality right now. It doesn't mean that I agree with the Houthi uh, political agenda or uh, any other uh, things. But the truth right now, the the, the, the legitimate government uh, doesn't uh, represent for Yemeni people uh, a very good model. To to let people Yemeni to to follow the legitimate government. Right. What we need r- right now, we need to uh, rebuild consensual uh, legitimacy legitimacy to representative uh, the whole uh, Yemeni people. Right. No. 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 But, uh, absolutely. And yes, I will. Uh, I'll ask you. I'll ask you again. Uh, um, I'll go back to you and, and ask you about this Ansar Allah versus Houthi because. You know, we just published uh, uh, an episode on March 3rd, which had an event and where our good friend Munir Saeed also focused on this issue, you know, that that for him, we we should stop calling it the Houthis or referring to Beit al-Houthi or what have you, but use yeah, the broader that's right, that's right. umbrella of that's Ansar Allah. Right. That's, I agree with him. That's That's right. We're going to have another guest where we're going to go into this and the history of this, but I'll, uh, perhaps uh, give me a minute and, and, and I'll go back to that because I do want to ask you about this theme that you, you've you mentioned a couple of times already uh, right now. And, and this, from your perspective, what does Beit al-Houthi represent today? You, you you know, what do they... Uh, if, we go, uh, if you go to the beginning of... Uh... Establishing the 
Ansarallah movement, not the establishing Ansarallah movement, but uh, when the Hussein Badr al-Din al-Houthi start to deal with politics, uh, like he has a chance. 1994, yeah, yeah. I believe in yeah, 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 I don't want to talk about these details because uh, many people uh, know about the, the details. But I, I mean, why becoming Beit al-Houthi uh, known uh, as the R right now? Because who started this movement is Hussein Badreddin al-Houthi. And because uh, the al-Houthi family has a very strong uh, related uh, ship with the tribes in Sa'da, they, they have uh, their kids uh, getting married from different uh, tribes and they are a big family. And because of that, uh, they have the support uh, from all uh, tribes in, in, in Saba. And when the wars uh, against Houthi start, becoming more bigger uh, war after war, uh, I mean, that the, the government uh, couldn't uh, solve uh, the Houthi problem from the beginning, which is give them uh, a chance to be bigger than. Uh, but before. what is this Houthi? And from your perspective, what is this problem? What what is it? I mean, myself, you know, you we met because of my studies about the economic. Uh, yeah. time. but the, from your problem, perspective, the, what is the problem? Their problem started to, to demand from the government uh, not to intervene in their education, in their madhab. Uh, and they Zaydia. Yeah, Zaydia. And they don't let other uh, uh, believers like uh, Salafi or Muslim Brotherhoods to, to, to enter in their uh, area or uh, places. But on that time, uh, Muslim Brotherhoods and Salafi was uh, very uh, allies with the government, the Ali Abdullah Saleh, Ali Muhsin, uh, uh, and they uh, gave them all support to be in this area. I, I think this is the, 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 the beginning of this uh, conflict. Right, right. Uh, what we see today, the, the reason why I'm... Even, even, even doctor in, in Sana'a itself, there, there are right. many uh, people they understand are Yemeni leaving each other and they don't intervene in their view, the, your madhab or Shafi'i, they uh, pray with, the, with Zaydi, Zaydi pray right. with Shafi'i. Right. But after uh, Muslim Brotherhood start to control uh, the whole masjid uh, in the capitals and the right. whole uh, city of uh, Yemen, uh, Zaidi start to feel that they are uh, abused from this. Uh, right. We, we we remind our, our listeners, our viewers. Uh, Brought it up during the, uh, the conversation with Dr. Mujali, but you, you, you know, in the in the early 2000, around 2000, 2001, when Islah is given the Ministry of Education in the government, then yeah. Islah begins to move to change the curriculum in the schools from primary yeah. through college through university, Ministry of Education, Ministry of Higher Education. Like what Al-Houthi right now doing. The opposite of what, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's exactly. a circle. I, exactly. I mean, fundamental, it's, uh, it's uh, bring another fundamentals. Exactly, exactly. And one of the major things for the Houthis, for Beit al-Houthi, for Zaydis nationwide, was that the Islah wanted to pass a law in the parliament bringing in all religious schools under the Ministry of Education, meaning places like Dar al-Hadith, 
places like Aliman University, places like other like uh, yeah. the Salafi centers in uh, in uh, Fayouche, uh, Lahaj, or the even, even, even the government school and the University of Sanawi University. Uh, actually, I observe uh, from a long time that. Uh, Muslim Brotherhoods and Al-Islah start to control all these uh, education. Right. right. Then we saw we saw the growth of uh, student unions at the universities. If you recall, back in early 2000 and on, we saw the student unions being politicized by the GPC, by the socialists, by Islah. And so then yeah, this but, added but, but, conflict but, but inside who, the schools. But who controlled this? Uh, it was the... Muslim Brotherhood. Right, right. Uh, Islah. Yeah. Al-Islah. They, they were, they were the, the wing within Al-Islah. Right. And, and this is when the, 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 the Al-Zaydis... Excuse me. I, I, I didn't hear you. I didn't hear you. I mean, Islah, Islah Party and Muslim Brotherhood was the most powerful in inside the school. Right. As part of the government. And we saw that conflict in, in, in among student... Uh, uh, we saw that political conflict inside student unions in 2011. So in 2011 in Sana'a University during the protest, Change Square, you know, we saw the student unions from Islam, from GPC, from, yeah. from a socialist, you know, there was a lot of tension going on uh, there at Change Square. But, uh, you know, this, uh, this, th this crisis in Zaydia that I, you and I have talked a long time, mm -hmm. you know, in the absence of the Imam since 1967, a recognized, a legitimate imam, the crisis in the, uh, among the ulama, where, you know, Zaydia doesn't have the Iranian version of Wilayat al-Faqih, you know, this rule by ulama yes. that's never been allowed in, in, in Zaydia. Even when the imam was weak, the ulama were not very strong. So yes. we, what we've seen from 1967 until the rise of Beit al-Houthi movement, or, or the believing yes. youth, was this. Yeah, you know what's uh, the good thing about uh, Zaydi Madhab? Uh, they renew their methodology uh, all the time. Right. Well, uh, definitely. I've brought up at the beginning. I've brought up these. The, the 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 I have my stack of books here that I'm bringing up because uh, Shaukani. Right? I'll bring. I'll bring in, the, you, you you know, I brought up on Twitter uh, because there was a discussion in a think tank. There, there was you a discussion. A very good, uh, uh, important thing. Uh, Correct. Some people, they are, uh, uh, I don't know, confused about right. uh, the understanding what, uh, that Zaydi representative Hashimit or representative uh, right. other people. Right. Zaydi Mithab right now representative I think who believe in uh, freedom, who believe right. in uh, fighting corruption, who believe right. to to see the right things in front of any right. ruler, which is uh, right now in Yemen. Uh, Madhab is not representative just Hashimi. The, 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 the best uh, uh, scholar who wrote about the Zaydi Madhab is not Hashimi. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. No, yeah. And this is, you, you, you know, on Twitter, I brought this up because I listened to to a discussion on a think tank event, you know, talking about sectarianism and it's new and everything. But, you, you, you know, never people don't get into the intricacies and the history uh, of, of this reform movement within Zaydia, you know, where we've gone, where we've gone from Hadawiya, you know, the old... Mm -hmm. You know, Hadi al-Haq, you know, the old uh, yes. original Zaydia, the original political and religious ideas to then Shaukani, 
right? In the in the yes, early eighteen yes, hundreds, and then the reform under Hamid Adin, and then the reform after nineteen sixty two, where you know people like Zubaydi, uh, you know people like Abdul Majid Zindani, who uh, was a, a Zaidi until he traveled to Egypt and yes. <laughs> got close to the Muslim Brotherhood. You know right. all of this reform that was that, that was coming up. You know people neglect that. You know uh, Zubaydi, for example, after nineteen forty eight. Zubaydi, for example, after 1948, he said that he brought up the idea that the imamate may perhaps no longer need a Hashemi, that perhaps yeah. a Yemeni tribe yeah, yeah. can be an imam. Uh, yeah. So then this was a big controversy, obviously, in the 1950s and, and 60s. And then he himself, you know, he brought out the uh, Hezbollah party in, in the 1950s. Yeah, that's why the scholar of Zaydi changed the condition of uh, who, 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 who want to be the imam. Right, and this is and this is one of the major things, right? Because even we see that we see that uh, particular uh, debate today when it comes to um, Beit Al Houthi, because a lot of people, especially our Hashemis, will say Beit Al Houthi doesn't have a right for the Imamate. So this means that there is no there is no path toward the Imamate at the moment. The, yeah. be, 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 because Beit Al Houthi is not an uh, is not a line like Mutawakil. Uh, like, uh, I mean, the, the, this is doctor dealing with religious, with the political, uh, with the society matters. Right. right. Uh, I mean, every family they think they, they have the rights to be the, the ruler because of uh, separate things like uh, you mentioned. But but in the end of the day, the scholars of Zaidi Madhab mentioned the condition. Uh, who, who right. is to be the, the ruler? Right, right. Is, if, if you if you have this condition, even if you are not Hashemi right now, yep. you, you can't be the the, the, the imam. Well, that was... we are now we are now in the century of twenty one hundred. People should think about the future. Right, right. No, I mean this debate. This debate was definitely had during the thirty years of Ali Abdullah Saleh, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, an illiterate yeah. Kabili tribesman yeah, that had yeah. no right. You and know, then, right, right now I'm, uh, I'm going to give you just uh, quick uh, remarks. Uh, that's it. many Yemeni now. They are not Hashmi, and they are in a, in a situation better than any Hashmi in Yemen. They have everything. They have uh, highly educated. They, they should. Uh, Take on their uh, shoulder the, the the way to to change Yemen, right? Not to, right. to let Yemeni fighting each, right. each other, right? Right. No, and and all of this goes to to the point. I mean, un unfortunately, we we have to travel these two worlds. You know, the Yemeni world and our world outside looking at Yemen, you know, trying to understand where I'm not Yemeni. I, I can study all I want, but I'm not Yemeni. I can't understand your history as well as you. And that's why I want to, I bring uh, people like yourself that know these things to, to, to debate with me, to argue and to correct me or to correct us in, 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 in a better path. But at the same time, you know, we have to look at the, the reality that, that we see every day and how, how they manage, you know, for example, the, the, the Ansar Allah, the Houthis, you know, they present their, their struggle as a movement, like you like you mentioned, whether it's a Houthi movement, whether it's a Beit al Houthi movement, or Ansarallah Houthi Ansarallah movement in this umbrella entity, uh, they 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 constantly frame this as a populist movement. You know, this is about all of Yemenis. This is about all of Yemen. This isn't about just Beit al Houthi or just about Hashemis. So this is the way that 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 we see Abdul Malik and uh, the 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 members of Buhaiti family, for example, framing framing this. 
Um, and they've adopted a narrative of revolution at the same time, which is interesting. You know, this is a revolution. This isn't a yeah. coup. So what, one of the interesting thing is, and my friends are from Beit Hamid Adin are going to forgive me for mentioning it, but I won't mention specific names. But whenever we talk about history, uh, they bring 1962 as a coup d'etat. They don't believe Beit, Al- Beit Hamid Adin uh, across uh, the, the families they see this as a coup d'etat, not a revolution. So it's not a, you, you, you know, it was Salal, it was a military, it was a coup, you know, sort of the opposite of what happened, perhaps the way that, that we read it uh, in September 2014, where people in Yemen, you know, pro Hadi, anti Houthi, say that the Houthis conducted a coup along with Ali Abdullah Saleh. But, mm-hmm. you know, they adopt this, the, this narrative of revolution. And Abdul Malik is often presented as the leader of the revolution. You know, now we're talking about September 22nd Revolution Day, not September 26th Revolution Day in, in, in Sana'a. And we've seen this since 2016 with the tensions between uh, Houthis and Ali Abdullah Saleh in Sana'a. And then we saw that in 2017 before they killed, before Ali Abdullah Saleh was killed, that there was this tension on September, on September 26th, uh, which is the day of the 1962 revolution. We can even say, you know, uh, the Houthis see it as a counter-revolution. If people want to accept that 26 September was a revolution, then the Houthi uh, movement is a counter-revolution in uh, and, and, and the north in specific, uh, that, uh, which ended the Hamid ad-Din Imamid. Uh, an interesting, this is a, for me, it's an interesting mix where the, the, the Houthis, Beit al-Houthi and Sarallah, mix the timeline of this particular revolution, merging events, from the Six-Year War uh, between Sada, between uh, Houthis and uh, the regime, Ali Abdullah Saleh's regime, in 2000, the start in 2004, the events of 2011, the uprising, uh, the popular uprising against Ali Abdullah Saleh. Then there is the war against the Salafis in 2013, and then the uh, the takeover of Sana'a in, in September 2014, and then the current war. And, and it's interesting that the Houthis and Ansar Allah framed this. The, the current war as a cur- uh, as a war against foreigners, meaning Saudi and the U.S., you know, the, the, these are the banners, these are the slogans. And then a second front is the war against Yemeni actors who are co-opted or are puppets uh, of, of these uh, of, of these foreign actors uh, to get, uh, you know, doctor uh, to continue this in a, in, in a little bit more of an academic uh, yeah. track, you know, this idea of Hrud. I want to continue this with with this idea of the revolution and everything, and the idea of Khuruj, you, you you know, leaving leaving the the ruler. And in, in, in we 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 have in Zaidia the concept that when the when the leader becomes a tyrant, uh, the the leader becomes corrupt. I, 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 I didn't see any problem in Zaidia or another uh, methodology for other people. I mean, I, I see the problem in how to build the state. And make people practice their religion, no matter what, what it is. But the, but they believe in the state, and they they, uh, they be able to li- live together with the, any part of Yemen. But but these uh, fundamentalist view from uh, different people that we should make these people out anything and killing them or. Uh, make them to uh, outside Yemen. Uh, it's fundamentalist uh, arguments and uh, with, with, this, with this building the state, uh, doctor. I mean, 
the the since 2000 uh, early 2017 the 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 Houthi leadership have pushed out the technocrats have pushed out the bureaucrats and put in supervisors that have no experience in government it, uh, yeah it doesn't mean that i agree with, with Houthi what he what he have done but uh, uh, i mean in my my view for, for the future all fa- Yemeni faction they should believe in each other even though if they don't believe in the reality, um, Al-Houthi right now, it's uh, de facto. I mean, they, they are uh, in the ground, the representative of many Yemenis. You, you can't uh, destroy them uh, in a one day or night. Also, the, the legitimate government couldn't uh, bring any good model for Yemeni people, and they couldn't uh, liberate all uh, Yemen ground. For that, all Yemeni, they should uh, start to, to talk and uh, rebuild the country by consensus. But how do you reach this consensus at a time of war? I mean, when, uh, when, you, have, when you have a legitimate government, quote-unquote, right, uh, ex- trying to exercise authority from outside the country, right, then you have two, te- technically you have two de facto uh, authorities, one in the north, one in the south, with the Houthis and uh, the SDC, how do you start building consensus uh, about f- in, in order to achieve de-escalation, in order to de-escalate this conflict, and in order to get back into peace? How do you uh, first first of all first of all the uh, all factions uh, should start to talk about Yemen, not to blame uh, each other. This is first of all. Secondly, uh, people around the world, Yemeni people around the world, all inside Yemen, they should start, uh, I mean, right now, they, they, we have uh, many uh, things to, to, to use it to, to reach this uh, uh, start. To reach this. For example, right now you have Facebook, you have WhatsApp, you have Clubhouse, you have, I don't know what, there are many uh, media uh, people, they can use it and start to talk. But instead, I mean, what we see, not, 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 not just to talk for talkative. I mean, right. talking yeah. uh, uh, about the future, talking right. about what's the difficulty, about uh, history, about the future, about the institutional issue, how we right. rebuild this institutional right. Who's uh, gonna? But if we start to talk and blaming each other, we we will not reach right. to any no, uh, and it's, good and points. It, and it's it, and you bring up the point. We we just had a, an episode with some Yemeni women who who precisely brought up this point about the role of Yemenis outside Yemen, the 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 role that the diaspora, the Yemenis that are displaced, the Yemenis living outside Yemen, that what they should play, because you know, uh, uh, as our friend Amina Atik mentioned, you know, Yemenis living abroad have that privilege that they're not in a conflict every day of their life. They're not being bombed. They're, they, they, they have food on their table. Therefore, you know, they have more time to think, to sit down with each other and to discuss politics and, and a yes. way forward. But instead, what we see is these constant, you know, social media uh, campaigns to demonize the other side. Every day, there's a new hashtag demonizing other people. So while you're saying, let's use social media for a constructive, positive way, it is actually being used as an extension of the war itself, right? Yes, so that people yes. are not only killing themselves on the ground, but people are also attacking and demonizing and fighting each other on, on platforms like social media. Yeah, and, I agree and, with you. 
and and in uh, think tank conferences and everything, you know, you have people giving speeches and they're demonizing the other party, whether they're in front of them or not, or they're arguing. But you know, where is a group? I've asked this to to Laviv Nasher, our good friend Laviv Nasher, who was uh, participated in the protest in 2011. I, I, we've asked him. I said, who is the next generation of activists? If there is another Arab Spring in Yemen tomorrow, who leads it? You know, uh, no, I, where, think there is, I, I think there is another Arab Spring. But who's going to lead it? Who's going to lead it? You know, a, a lot of people in 2011, they said, we need a new constitution. It's been 10 years since the Arab Spring. I, I mean, 2011, most of the youth that participate in uh, Arab Spring, they, they are outside of their countries. But few of them, uh, they, they get a chance to be part of the corruption of the, uh, some governments which is uh, not a good start. But uh, I mean, uh, right now, there are many uh, youth uh, are uh, very capable to be, uh, uh, to change, uh, I mean, the situation in many countries. That's, right. that's my view. For example, Yemeni people now, they, I know many people from different uh, sectarian or from different area in, in Yemen. They are uh, thinking very well, uh, Thing about Yemen. Yeah, it, but you, you, you know, I, we haven't seen, you know, it's been 10 years since the Arab Spring. It's been seven years since the National Dialogue. Everybody opposed the new constitution. Where are the ideas? Where are the discussions on the new constitution? You know, where are the discussions on the transition of power? You know, where are the discussions of what uh, happens? You know, uh, Doctor, the intervention of uh, the factions. For, the, for what happened right right now, uh, for example, if there is any start from this youth or from any people to to try to deliver idea about change or the right things, these people start to fight this idea, fight these people because, as you you understand, all faction benefits from this one. I mean, they, they have billions of dollars, millions of dollars. They are living outside of Yemen they, with their kids. Their kids, they are in the best schools, best universities in uh, in the world. And the, the popular of Yemeni people are uh, suffering from this war and from right. the humanitarian uh, situation in, right. in Yemen. Right. But there are people start to think, why these people who uh, always encourage Yemeni to fight each other are living outside Yemen. Right. They are not inside Yemen right. to, to resolve this uh, problem. Right. I mean, if this war stopped, many people will lose their interest. Right, right. No, and thank you. And thank you, Doctor. And and you're right. You know the the role of the diaspora or or the role of those Yemenis now living abroad, where they've gravitated to out of need. I mean, we have to be honest. I mean, people need a job. There were no jobs in Yemen. People needed a job. People were offered jobs. Unfortunately, these are the jobs. You know, you either join these type of jobs outside Yemen uh, that you mentioned, or you join the military in Yemen. I mean, those are the things that pay people right now, unfortunately. But you know. One of the things that 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 of why we're pushing on uh, on our programs over the last couple of episodes about you know where are the ideas? We know that there needs to be consent. Where does the consent start? Does it start among the political actors? Does it start on the ground in Yemen, 
or do people like yourself living outside Yemen become you 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 know the the people behind that momentum you you know to bring out the ideas where are you you know what are people thinking uh is there a need for a transition from president hadi to another president is there a is there a need for a political council instead of a president is there a need how do you bring you know how do you do escalate the conflict how do you then bring the parties to the table and how do you create a an agreement we, 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 we can create a model for example to representative yemen not to representative hajimi or tribes or muslim brotherhoods or salafi or i mean yemen is are very rich with their people uh, highly educated in different uh, countries in yemen and wherever you want but they should start to sit with each other no matter what 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 are their view Right. You have no idea how difficult it is for me to have a panel with a diverse group of Yemenis politically. It, people will say, no, 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 I'll do a one-on-one -on -one interview, but I won't do a panel yeah, because, because I don't want because, to be in the same as that party or this individual. Or sorry to interrupt you. Because everyone uh, take his opinion as a fact. fact. Yeah, they don't want to, uh, to, to hear from other uh, people. Right. They didn't want to see the reality. Right. Yeah, we, we've invited, you, you, you know, for this episode in particular, for this episode, I've reached out again. I reached out to, to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, you know, directly with a couple of people. And they said, no, thank you. We, we, you, you know, we won't even send an assistant to speak to you or we won't. They couldn't. I said, find me a journalist that you believe represents your views and send them and ask him to, you know, if he wants to only, or she only wants to speak Arabic, we'll get a translator and, and we'll do it. Uh, I reached right. out to the Supreme political council. I reached out to the office of Mashad and I said, you know, uh, recommend somebody. Doesn't it have to be an official, just an activist or no, 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 no. I reached out to other people uh, on social media, inviting them to, to speak people that speak, uh, that, that, that affiliate with uh, Sana'a authorities or our partisan authorities and the same thing. So, you know, if, if, if people don't want to join the conversation in a neutral virtual environment where they don't even have to be in the same room, <laughs> physical room, then how do we get, you know, five, six, seven, eight factions to sit together and talk about peace and national unity? How do you do that? Uh, I mean, the people, they should start to talk. Uh, I mean, we, we, we shouldn't have to wait until they bring us and they tell us to talk. Right. I mean, this is our right. This is Yemeni rights. I mean, right. they should start to, to, to raise their voice in front of uh, Yemeni factions, in front of uh, regional uh, players, in front of the international uh, player also. Right. This I mean, this is the time. Yeah, this takes me to my next question, Doctor. How does the U.S. If we have to deal with reality that outside powers are going to be involved in this conflict and are going to have to be involved in the peace process, how does the U.S. You know, uh, today, what would you say to the U.S. administration? How does the U.S. talk to 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 Sanaa authorities? in order to work to de-escalate the armed conflict and to convince them 
to 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 engage in peace talks. How what would you say if you had a US official in front of you? What would you say to them? How do they get to speak to 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 the Houthis and Sanaa? Especially what we saw this last week when you know rumors yeah. came out about the meetings in, in Muscat and Mohammed yeah. Abdul Salam denied yeah. and condemned the US. How then the US how do you motivate the US to engage in peace? Or or yeah. how does the US engage the Houthis? First of all, myself, I find the, the statement coming by President Obama regarding the situation in Yemen is a good signal. President Biden. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good uh, signal uh, in front of uh, the whole world about what, uh, what happened in, in Yemen. I don't know what uh, American right now have. Uh, if they have, uh, I mean, what kind of strategy they have to de to deal with, with Yemen? Uh, are they prepared well, or just uh, mention these statements and these uh, objectives, and they don't have any mechanism to to to, to do with this uh, issue? Uh, if uh, if I uh, advise uh, American, I will start to tell them to meet every faction in Yemen. Not just uh, who uh, who are involved in this one, even uh, from uh, outside the, this pe people, and uh, they should be in the ground. Without being in the ground, uh, it, it will be very difficult for them because is, they will they will yeah. receive they right. will receive the, the information uh, from third party. Exactly, and this is this is has been one of my points. This has been one of my points for years since I was at the UN panel in 2017 and 2018. This was one of my points, and I said, "Why do the does the envoy keep meeting the spokespersons in Muscat or in Cairo or in Amman or in Turkey? And why does don't don't, don't doesn't the the UN envoy and now the US envoy meet Abdul Karim Al Houthi?" Right, directly person yes. in person, yes. and meet yes. with Mashad in person yes. on the ground, and instead of going like you said with mediators, with with messengers, yes. you know about yes. talking and uh, and then reinterpreting, you know. But how do you get that? I mean, yes. how do you get how yeah. do you get the new new U.S. envoy to land in Sanaa and and meet Abdul the Ministry of Interior Abdul Karim Al Husayn? Yeah. How this is uh, how. I mean, uh, Houthi, they should get this opportunity to start to rethink about the others. I mean, uh, right now, uh, they are uh, focusing about what uh, happened uh, in Yemen. Maybe uh, next year or next month, or uh, people will, will leave Yemen. Uh, uh, and we will be in a... We don't want to Yemen to transfer to sectarian war or to... Uh, war not not will happen will not end. Right. I mean, and and so then the follow up is how do the Houthi how does Saudi Arabia engage the Houthis? I mean, Saudi Arabia I, I this whole issue the, of Iran. Uh, the communication, the communication between uh, Saudi Arabia and Houthi uh, continues. I mean, it doesn't cut any time, which is good for Saudi and for the the Houthi. I mean. If you are in a connection, maybe they, they will get to Saturn. Is the first step is the first step to de-escalating this process today? You know, if you had a chance to propose something to de-escalate the, the, the conflict today, is the first step dialogue between 
the Houthis and Saudi Arabia? Or is there another another way? Is there another track? I mean, it's uh, this one, one way. I mean, uh, because we should deal with the reality. The problem now is uh, uh, with Houthi. And the, the war, it's invaded, uh, I mean, against Houthi. Right. It doesn't mean to ignore STC and other factions in 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 Yemen, but uh, to start this negotiation, uh, to make the situation in Yemen stable, and then people start to talk about uh, the future. Would be so. It would be a good start to have Houthis and sit sit with Saudi Arabia and, and figure out a peace agreement first and then move yeah. on to the conflict between Houthis and the government and then Houthis and the STC. But, but, but that's, that's, right. that's the right issue, right? Because yeah. uh, other factions uh, are in a good view with Saudi Arabia. Right. Uh, you mean in the GOI and the STC are already made their peace with, yeah. Sa with Saudi yeah. Arabia? Yeah. What about what about yeah. Iran? I mean, the elephant in the room. I mean, we can't, unfortunately, we can dance around it, but we have to mention Iran. We, 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 we can't ignore any major player, uh, regional player in, in, in the region. I mean, Iran ha ha has their hand also, but uh, I didn't think Iran will. Uh, Will, will deliver any positive uh, issue to this. Right. A lot of critics are saying, you know, that a lot of critics of the U.S. administration are saying that the U.S. is using Yemen in order to advance talks with the with Iran instead of the other way around. Instead no, of engaging Iran, I'm in opposite of, of this. Actually, okay. Iran using Yemen. Okay. For their own benefit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, Doctor, excellent conversation. Thank you very much for your insight. Thank you very much for entertaining my questions. And and it is a a, a difficult issue to deal with. You know the how what role will this movement in Sanaa play? You know, is there hope that the Houthis, Beit al Houthi, or Azadis again in the north will create a new political party? You know, Al Haq political party. Unfortunately. Is not functioning. Is is no longer a viable option. But you, you know, know what, what, what's the hard about Houthi? They are not a political party. They right. are not representative uh, Hashemites. Right. They are not. Uh, I mean, states. They are movement. You have to know what does it mean movement. Exactly, and that's why I brought up the whole issue of revolution. Yeah. Right. As long as there's yeah. a revolution, there's a movement. Yeah. But if yeah. the, when there's peace, when there's when there's peace, when there's no more revolution, when there's no more need for change, then it's time to back up and say there's a need for a political party. I've always said that the Houthis can't the, launch a political party because they lose control of it. And the end of the day, I'm scared that uh, this movement will extend. If they will not uh, negotiate with them from now, uh, it will be very hard to be in the future. As they expand territorially, yeah. as they expand, yeah. as they strengthen their, their authority. Yeah, it would become much more difficult to deal with them because yeah. then at that point is like, wh why should the Houthis negotiate? I mean, you, you know, they gain so much leverage that they said, yes. why yeah. should we negotiate? We don't have anything to lose anymore. You're right. You're you right. Know? So 
Thank you very much, Doctor. I really appreciate your time. Uh, please hang on for a, for a minute or so, and um, while we make this transition to our next guest, we still have two more guests uh, for this episode, and and the con conversation continues. And we're going to bring up different issues. Uh, we're going to talk about the views from Islah, you know, of of of, of the Houthi movement, the Ansar Allah, and the the, the view from the Motamar, from the GPC, how the what happened uh, in this history, and as you said, you know, the, the Hashimi families were a, a, a pillar of the GPC yes. since it was created in the 1980s. You, 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 sure. you know? and, and then we saw that infighting in 2016 and 2017. But thank you very much, Doctor. We hope to have you back on the podcast to talk about other things, other interesting issues, and uh, we'll wait a little bit to bring in our next guest. and. Uh, and continue Thank the conversation. For, Thank you for having me, and uh, I appreciate your work. And uh, and you are one of the very good panelists uh, regarding Yemen. Thank you, Doctor. I really appreciate your I really appreciate your time and 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 your opinions. Uh, I've learned a lot from you over the years. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you. Thank you. Let's welcome in our our next guest. <laughs> 